I'm Mike Lindell, and my employees and I want to thank you for your continued support by bringing you the biggest bath sale ever. Get my six-piece towel sets for the lowest price ever, only $39.96. His and her bathrobes, 50% off. Bath mats for as low as $17.49. And I'm also excited to announce the original My Slippers are back in stock. And now they come in even more colors and wide sizes. They're made with the same great patented technology. And yes, you'll still save $90 a pair. So get the biggest savings ever on bath sheets, bath mats, washcloths, hand towels, bathrobes, slippers, and so much Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. Do you care what the mainstream media says? Hey, out there, fam, are you listening? Coming to you live from behind enemy lines in Chirac, Illinois, where my mic is purposely low so I don't freaking over talk and yell at everybody. How are y'all today? Happy Monday. It is the 9th of January already. And man, is there a lot to talk about from the weekend into today? Lots of stuff we missed uh, that we need to talk about for sure. Um, I got some Illinois stuff. I, I, I'm going to kick it off right quick with President Trump's revolver interview from six days ago, actually, January 3rd. Um, <clears throat> I think it was just released by Revolver over the weekend, but I heard about it a while ago. It's about 45 minutes, but I'll be honest, I, I haven't really heard a good interview with President Trump in a while. And I have high expectations for for Revolver and the topics that they would discuss. And I want to give President Trump about 45 minutes. So real quick, we're going to hop to that. We have a lot more stuff to talk about today. There's a lot of stuff about the Twitter files that are out there today. There's a lot of stuff about, um, oh, you know, Republicans out there today. There's new information about the committees and the stuff that's going on in D.C. Eh, <clears throat> yeah. If you want to stay close in on what's watching D.C. every day, I'll tell you what. You, that's a quick way to, to insanity is to sit there and watch D.C. DC every day, but if you want to keep me, keep me informed about what you see in the updates on committees and stuff like that. If you see what's going on out there, I have some stuff towards the end of the show that I want to get to today. We'll wrap that up in a, in a, uh, news blitz of some, of some kind to finish the show off today. In fact, I got a couple other things I got to pull up on that news blitz right quick here. <clears throat> as I was wrapping up show prep, literally about three minutes ago, 
uh, trying to get um, the latest and greatest news out there for you guys that's out there today, get it prepped and lined up for you. And there's a lot to talk to. So first, let me just hop in with you guys here today and say hello to you all. Do me a favor when you get a second, though. Bookmark the website when you get time. Hop onto my social media. I've been doing a lot of pop-up shows, breaking news shows, stuff that's happening out there. I, d I definitely want to um, to keep you guys informed of what, when I'm going live. It, the best way to do it, honestly, is, is pill.net's. Um, notification system. I realize that you may look at that as intrusive to have your phone number warn you when your favorite content creator is on, but let's be real. I mean, you, what do you want an email instead that you get later on that night when you finally get a chance to check your email or you can get, uh, you can use one of your other favorite platforms as well and hit the alert when, when the stream goes live. So that way you'll always get an alert whenever the stream goes live. But also honestly, the best way really is just keep close on true social. I, I, everything that, that is priority for me, goes through true social and then on the telegram and other places if it's really important so i mean that's that's the best spot if you're not on true social i get it i, I understand uh telegram i keep everyone informed on there and i'm going to be getting back into discord here one of the benefits of becoming a subscriber to the platform is going to be access to the to the private discord i've kept it private for a reason i want people in there that uh, want to see the research that i've done i want to see the content that i've curated so when you search for a certain topic um, inside my discord what do you find a lot of interesting stuff that comes up unfortunately a lot of my research from the past five years has disappeared from discord um, but there is still a lot of good stuff in there so if you want to when you're on your favorite platform like pill.net or one of the other platforms um, and you subscribe to the to the platform that can get you access to the discord I'm going to need your help if you want access though um, and you're on a different platform besides pilled um, let me know somehow, uh, send me an email, send me a message, send me a DM. Um, all my DMS are open so you can get a hold of me anywhere, anytime. And I will get you access to the discord, but it's a, it's a, it's a thing that kind of died after, um, all of my stuff that's been happening and trying to dial back my intrusions on all my devices, um, and trying to dial back, um, how much access I give to big tech and others to my content. So, um, there's been a, an attempt there by my part to, to try to dial back uh, discord for a reason, but you know what, man, let's just roll with it. So if you're, in, if you're out there, you're subscribed on, on uh, pilled, I'm going to get you guys um, all over there. Um, uh, um, somehow DM or something like that access to the discord. I'll work, I'll work that out, but that's the goal. So anyways, but telegram, true social, Twitter, gab, Facebook links are at the very top of the website. You can find all the information that you need on one of those platforms, as well as the website. If you book, if you bookmark it, you can always find stuff on there, the previous show content, how to get a hold of me, emails, DMs, whatever you need. That's that's why that's where to get a hold of it. So bookmark the website. You can listen to the podcast, Pipebean, iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, pick one, anyone. We're on every single platform out there. And I've been trying to keep as consistent as possible with the podcast because all around the world, people are listening to the Uncensored Abe family about what we're talking about here. So I appreciate you all. Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, Rumble, CloudHub, and Tiger Network, where you can find those live streams every Monday through Friday, 5 Eastern, 4 Central. And like I said, keep an eye on my social media and, let, and uh, set, set the alert so you know when uh, when I'm tweeting or truthing something. Um, my, my Hopefully my Twitter will be back soon. <sighs> Anyways, um, I digress. The previous shows that I think you need to see around the show, especially the DHS Censorship League, 
weeks uh, that did not get much play. Got some play out there, but it's so long to get through that I understand. But it's worth your time, honestly. I mean, if you if you haven't spent the time in the last two and a half hours of that at least to get a, to get a view of the DHS censorship agency and Obama's Stasi, it's very important to get help you give you give you an idea of how bad things are in this country right now. If you want to help me keep the lights on, boy, do I ever need your help. Cash that PayPal, Patreon, and buy me a coffee, or where you can do that as well as buy me as well as mypillow.com backslash Abe. I appreciate all your guys' support through mypillow.com backslash Abe. You can help Mike Lindell. You can help me. You can get yourself some cool stuff. And look, I mean, hey, everybody's got to have a way to pay the bills, and I have limited uh, income sources. It is mostly viewer donations and your generosity, and I appreciate that very much. The Buy Me A Coffees have been unbelievable since uh, everything that's happened. I had a happy protest anniversary Buy Me A Coffees on the 10th from an Anon NJ, JC Bird, always out there uh, dropping some coffees on me as well. So a special thank you to all of you guys out there as well as all of support, the Gold Pill support, and all out there. I thank you all very much for your thoughts, loves, and prayers. Honestly, as always, the best thing you can do for me in this platform is just help share the stream for me, man. Let everyone know what's going on out there. Hey, that's better. Some light. <laughs> let everyone know what's going on out there. Share the stream. Let, tell them to come hang out with us and tell them why you hang out, out with us. So everyone over there on Pill, thank you all for being here today. Much love and God bless you all. Hope you guys had a great weekend. It was fun hanging out uh, with Fallen and Severe last night and, and uh, Dodger. It was a lot of fun hanging out with those guys last night. Uh, one like Patriots been out there hanging out. A lot of great discussions happening on Pill.net. If you're not uh, on Pill.net, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're missing out. There's It's a one and only platform. And the sooner you get in and you start, start uh, navigating your way around, you're going to find out why so many of us love the platform so much. So special shout out to everyone behind the scenes over there at Pill.net and everyone has helped create this platform and make it something that is special that it is i look forward to future grows and competition in the in the platform there has been a ton of competition and not necessarily competition but great content that has pulled in and man there is just you got you got a choice to go man you got you got to pick pick a spot wherever you want to go if you can't find something you like i all right then just go over to twitch or something <laughs> i don't know uh tried something else but i love it and the platform has really gotten a lot smoother and it's been upgraded a lot more lately so check it out when you get time pill.net one of the great platforms out there and the best ways to support your favorite streamers as well there's a great family of great patrons over here that are just trying to have you know deplorable discussions god forbid that some debate some talk some ideas things like that old gray goat knock my socks off oh uh, rp4l karen hair the fallen ones out there blush is in the house looking for some good news i got uh i don't know i'm just gonna i want to talk to i want to hear president trump if that's all right with you guys to be completely honest uh discord kicked it yeah that's the other problem is uh discord kicked the vast majority of people out there and all the rest of the platforms pretty much suck all right, but so 45 minutes with President Trump. Um, I I really want to hear what he has to say on the revolver because I got a feeling they're going to get some great questions asked. So we're going to hop straight to that here pretty quick. Everyone over there on the Rumble crowd, always lurking and listening. Do me a favor, hit that plus button over there, thumbs up button, whatever you may do over there. I appreciate you all. PDR111, you look better now than you did eight weeks ago, dropping a very generous donation to me over there on Rumble with a Rumble rant. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, I'm... I'm I'm doing my best. I really am. I'm putting my best face forward for the two hours or the time that I'm live. But behind the scenes, I'm hurting bad, and I'm still dealing with a DA that uh, in in a false narrative that is uh, trying to destroy me, man. So it's it's hard, man. It's just a lot I'm dealing with, but it is what it is. And I think I, in the end, it's all gonna the truth is gonna work itself out. That's what I learned last week. In the end, the truth will work itself out. So thank you all very much, PDR. You're a very generous, great patriot, and I appreciate you very much. Twitch crowds out there lurking and listening as always. I love you guys. Much love. 
people have Twitch crowd. Chris and Politius, the mods, the super mods out there, um, they they will they will let you guys talk as much as you want. But never mind if you get any kind of any kind of personal attacks. If you if you become a distraction, we don't play that game here. I don't give a fuck. If you want a free speech platform, then you're gonna have to deal with being. Um, you know, cordial with other chatters around you. So I welcome everyone in chat to say what you need to say. But if there's any problem childs out there, I don't put up with it. I got more important shit to talk about than your drama and and your in, in the rest that you got going on out there. So shout out to everyone out there lurking and listening. But I love you all. But no nothing personal, no distractions. That's the rules. It's that simple. Uh, other than that, uh, contribute to the discussion all you want. Um, help help us get things right and help us um, advance the discussion of the things that we're talking about that day. That's what we look forward to in chat. And you guys are the top notch out there usually the best francis pjs deb um pjs and uh several others lurking over there on twitch much love to the twitch crowd and everyone else out there and all the other platforms lurking and listening god bless you all pdr you're a great patriot man god bless you thank you very much without further ado let's hear i want to hear president trump and then i got a ton to talk about i may go a little bit long today so if you're if you can hang out cool if you want to skip this i get it but uh, for the purposes of the podcast and myself, I really kind of want to hear what he has to say. So without further ado, the revolver with President Trump's interview. Qualifying order. So don't wait. Call in right now. Call 866 All right, that's going to take a second for it to load. So give me a second for uh, revolver to... to uh, to work that stuff out and get the advertisements out there. Um, I really want to hear, um, you know, it'll probably be um, the usual, but hey, Darren Beatty, the revolver, I got a feeling he'll be asked some questions that uh, that I would like to hear the answers to, and I would I really want to hear it. So the Trump interview from Revolver from January 3rd, I think just got released not very recently. So without further ado, can you play? Hmm. Oh, it's giving me the foxhole problem again. Dang it. Huh. Um. What is happening here? Why play, I said. Looking to shut us down for good. This is why I'm especially proud to welcome the folks at American Hartford Gold for sponsoring this exclusive interview with the one and only President Give me a second. Um and while the ads playing here. Okay, shh, 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 shh. I guess we're going to have to play it the way it is cuz it's not letting me pop it out. Uh oh, I want you to subscribe, I guess. Yeah. Experience Revolver without ads. Got it. Makes sense. That's a pretty good idea, though. Like, you know, you want to pull people in for uh, for an interview like that? That's pretty cool. What's up, PDX? Thanks for the phone. <sighs> okay. Well, while this is playing, let me get this queued up. The other stuff I got for you guys is good today, too, as well. So uh, hopefully you guys will hang out with me today. And uh, if you've seen this, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but, um, for, again, for the purposes of the podcast and those who haven't, let us hop to it, huh? It's not going to let me make it bigger. That figures. Donate All right, well, whatever. Donate.revolver.news and sign up for our Seriously? 
comfortably numb. How are you? House.gov has he's trying to pass the rules bill. HR. Yeah, I hear that's uh, being passed right now or working on it right now. I actually have the the um, draft uh, rules committee thing, so we'll we'll get that in a moment after President yeah. Trump. Hey, good guy. Great, great good work. Great talking there with you, Mr. There aren't enough of us, Darren. That's, there aren't enough of us. I feel thank like you. Really. Thank you so much for joining us at Revolver News. And Agreed. we'll get right to it. There's a lot to discuss. Okay. And I'd like to start with Twitter. Um, many people okay. have said that you're the greatest tweeter of all time and that your effective yeah. use of that platform was one of the many revolutionary aspects of your campaign. Now, I know you're right. on True Social. I love True Social. I've noticed the engagement is incredible. It doesn't have the bot problems that Twitter has. It has an no. amazing sense of well, community. The it's, right. No, it's amazing. And I've heard many patriots say that truth is my home, but Twitter is the right. battlefield. And given everything the corrupt regime is doing to stop the spread of your message, many say we need you back on that battlefield on Twitter. So what do you think about that? And would you, under any circumstances, consider getting back on Twitter? So it seems that we are indirectly on Twitter because when I put it out on Truth, you know, we just had a, uh, a thing with NFT and I put it out on Truth and it mm-hmm. sold – in a, in a matter of a few hours, which was like a record, you've been reading about how successful it was, and I only use Truth. It, it seems that my engagement on Truth is actually better, even though I have close to 90 million people on Twitter. But when I put something in Truth, it gets out into Twitter because everybody puts it out on Twitter. You know, a lot of people are on both, and they immediately put it out on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell you how terrible it was what they did to many of us in terms of free speech when they did the termination. Yeah. And well, you know, that's a a terrible thing. The deep state and intelligence agencies clearly don't want you back on on Twitter. And some say that even Elon doesn't want you back because he's worried that you'd unseat him as the most popular tweeter. Well, you know, I had 89 million people when I got off, but it should have been at least double that. I also had a lot on Facebook. I think I had two over 200 million total, but a lot on Facebook and a lot on Instagram. And I was a deep platform, so to speak. And, uh, I went from there to putting out press releases and my press releases save America did very well, but there are those that are saying that Twitter can never be Twitter unless I go back on. I'm very complimented by that. And I only say it because there are about 20 articles about it, that Twitter <laughs> can never make it if they don't have Trump back on. And if you look at the truths that I put out today and some that are going to be put out momentarily, I think you'll see that, you know, that number one, they're correct. Number two, they're good for the country. And they are pretty well crafted. I must say, yes. but it, I hope you're going to look at the ones that I just put out. And did you see the ones I put out today there? Yes. Yes. No, they're very good. good and um, we'll, we'll get, to going out right now or even more. get to talking yeah. about some of those. Just sticking on this topic a little bit, but with slight shift, you had a recent um, free speech policy announcement, which I think is really one of the most learned and important statements on the issue of big tech censorship. I've ever heard from an elected official. And I especially love how you call out the national security community's abuse of the term disinformation as a pretext for censorship. Did it surprise you? 
to learn the extent to which the intelligence agencies played a decisive role in pressuring big tech companies like Twitter to censor your speech and the political speech of American citizens? Well, to censor my speech and to make it so that Biden only had good news coming out, which is incredible because, you know, the laptop from hell was a disaster for them. And nobody had ever seen this before. I I had noticed that anything having to do with the laptop or anything having to do with the election, the first time anyone has ever seen it to this extent, the word wasn't getting out. And I said, that's weird. It's really strange. Uh, And a lot of times people were censored were things seemingly unrelated. But if there was even a little relationship to the election, they wouldn't get out. And I was noticing that. But who could have believed it was the FBI and it was the government of the United States doing it? And one thing that was shown, Darren, is that the election was rigged and stolen. Because, you know, it's interesting. When uh, 2,000 mules came out where they have, you know, nothing but tapes of people stuffing ballot boxes. You know, I mean, in all fairness, they have tapes of it. Thousands of of, uh, of feet of, of tapes and you know, all sorts of terrible things, you know, looking up at the cameras, putting on gloves before they voted after some got caught. Uh, and that made an impact. But this this whole FBI thing has tenfold made an impact. People that aren't into it like you would be or I would be, people are, you know, they, they don't know that much about They're saying, wow, you know, you're right. The election was rigged and stolen. And it was stolen by the government of the United States through the FBI. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing when you think it's had a much bigger impact than anything I've seen. People that really didn't know too much, they're saying, you know, you were right. That election was sold. It just hit a spot like number seven. They actually paid him three and a half million dollars or something. I mean, it was actually they actually paid. They actually paid Twitter three and a half million dollars. The FBI, the government. And that's only the money you know about it. How much money? Yes. How much money did they pay? I guarantee oh, it's in, a lot more. You know, in in many ways, I'd say it's not only the 2020 election was stolen. In some critical ways, it seems like 2016 was also stolen because you did so many amazing things. But we're learning about how the intelligence communities just did everything that they could to stop you at every turn. And it's really outrageous. They almost got me. You're right. They almost they got all, you. Well, they spied on my campaign. They spied on the campaign, and that we got. Do you remember when I made the statement? Because I was seeing weird things. I said, you know, I think we're being spied on. I think Obama is spying on my campaign. And do you remember when that hit? It was the biggest story. It was one of the biggest tweets I've ever put out, to be honest. I I just said it innocently on a Saturday morning, and I got a call five minutes later from the head of Tom saying, sir, did you make a statement? Because the lines are burning down. Remember that? And you know why? Because they were guilty and they knew it and they said they got caught, but they spied on my campaign. How about if if somebody spied on a Democrat's on Obama's campaign, as an example? I mean, it would have been it would have been the death penalty. It's it's outrageous. And you clearly touched you clearly touched a nerve with that. And I'd like to ask you about the highly corrupt January 6th committee. So I'm sure you saw they recently recommended criminal charges against you in relation to January 6th, including the charge of incitement, despite the fact you simply told the crowd, go to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically. They call that incitement. Meanwhile, the January 6th committee defends a now infamous man called Ray Epps, who remains mysteriously unindicted, 
despite being seen mm -hmm. on video repeatedly telling people to go into the Capitol. And you've bravely praised Revolver News' work on the federal government's likely role in the January 6th sure. operation. Do you think the full extent of this federal involvement will ever come to light? And why are most Republicans scared to death to touch this particular issue? Well, they're afraid. Bill Barr was afraid. He thought he was going to be impeached, and he was afraid. And, you know, I understand that, but you can't be afraid. You can't take those positions if you're going to be afraid. He was afraid to go into the election corruption because he didn't want to be impeached. If you look at him six months earlier, he was saying very bad things about mail-in ballots and everything else. Right. And then all of a sudden he got scared, and he was frightened. I could tell it. You know, I watch him on television now, and he talks like, oh, he sits back and he talks. Uh, he was, he was, for, you know, you can't have an attorney general that's afraid of that stuff because it was a corrupt election, and somebody impeached. has to do something about it. But, uh, you know, you're right about Epps. People are saying, I've seen enough tape where he is just standing there. One of the classics was some guy screaming, I think he's a fed. I think he's a fed. <laughs> it's like they're looking at, at this guy, this, you know, this big, tall guy who's screaming orders to people, go in, go into the Capitol, go in. And nothing ever happened. And yet people that were barely there, people that never even went in, are being their lives are being destroyed. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It's never happened in our country before that we know of, certainly. But it's never happened in our country before. And when you look at what's happened to these people compared to what's happened to, to the people that burned down Portland and, and took over wow. Seattle, they took over a major portion of the city, you know, a big yeah. chunk of the city. And until I sent in the troops, until they, you know, we were, we were sending in the troops the following day, and they knew that. We let them know it. Uh, but until they heard that, they left right away as soon as I did that. And I didn't really possibly have the right to do it. You know, the, the governors are supposed to call for that. But this governor would have never called. They would have taken over. That's, they'd still be there. And right. the same thing in, uh, you know, Minneapolis. When you look at the damage, the destruction, and the death that they caused, and nothing happened to those people, it's really and – and, you know, they went after the courthouse. They went after every, the federal courthouse. They went after everything. And – Nothing happened to him. In fact, the opposite. Right. They were, if you look at Kamala Harris, she was bailing people out. Right. She was and you know, money at the to time, bail people out. At the time, we were criticizing Barr very strongly because it didn't seem like Barr was interested in going after Antifa with any kind of seriousness. He was afraid because he thought the consequences to him. It, it, he was. He had. He did not have courage. I want to be respectful. He did not have courage. You know, the uh, U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, uh, wanted to go after Philadelphia because it was very corrupt, and he was unable to do it because Barr was afraid he was going to be impeached. He didn't do it for his own personal I said, I got impeached twice. It's not so bad. Go ahead and do it. My phone <laughs> numbers actually went up. But he, uh, he, was, he was petrified of that. You know, you don't hear those stories. I tell you, and I tell Revolver, I have a lot of respect for Revolver. I, I Thank think you. you've done a, a great job. You, you tread you. on territory that nobody else wants to touch, even though it's very touchable. I mean, it's the <laughs> yeah. stuff that people want to hear about. You know? No, we get a lot it's, of incoming. We get a lot of incoming, but I tell you, in particular, our coverage of January 6th and what a lie it is, because it's being used to smear so many good people, including yourself, but so many other good people, and it's just a shame to see. Yeah. 
Um, so from the Russiagate hoax. It's, it's, you're right about that, though. It is being used to smear people. You know, they asked me to make a speech, and I made a speech. And you know, I, as I remember it, because that wasn't set up by me. That was a, a thing that was set up by, I think, a lot of women's groups, actually. Hmm. A mm-hmm. lot of women's groups set that up. Now, you know, they're making it sound like, you know, the the worst people on earth set it up. A lot of very good people were involved. And that was about right. the election, the rigged and stolen election. That's why right. so many people went. You heard that, right? And now they're trying to smear a lot of the people that helped set it up, all these women's groups and stuff. While there is some stuff behind that that's... You know, you got you got your drama stuff. Uh, everybody I met, that part of the women's group that helped organize all this stuff, was some top-notch women. Just every single one of them, every single one of them. So you watch all those smears out there. You watch the people keep attacking others and anybody who was involved in any of the organization of Stop the Steal and the rest of this stuff. Just keep keep watching it. Just keep watching. That's all I'm saying. You know, the other thing they don't cover: how many people were there. I've spoken in front of the biggest crowds. That was the biggest crowd I ever spoke in front of. You never see pictures of that. They only show yeah. you the pictures of the Capitol. They never show you like helicopter shots of the, the amount of people that were there. It was, it was massive. I think it, it was bigger than, I think it was bigger than inaugurations. I, I've never, I, I don't believe I've ever spoken in front of a bigger crowd than that. And you never see that. You know, that tiny percentage of people went down to the Capitol compared to right. the overall crowd. But do you ever notice you never see the pictures of that? Right. No, it's amazing. And, you know, just incidentally about Epps, Epps traveled to D.C. all the way from Arizona, and he didn't even attend your speech. <laughs> you know, he was wearing oh, a Trump hat. He didn't even attend your speech. He was more interested no, in other No, no. Well, and then they have another guy named Sullivan. Sullivan, who's the head yeah. of, I think, either BLM or Antifa, and he was yes. telling people how to act, how to this, how to that. And I saw tapes on it, and now yep. you don't see tapes on it anymore. But, you yeah. know, there were tapes on this guy. I remember the name was Sullivan, and he was preaching to people about you put a red hat on and you do this and yep. you do that. And he was saying all sorts of bad stuff. And then they tried to say he was a reporter or something for CNN, you know, that got him out. Right. Uh, but, but if you remember him, he was big. You know, there's a lot of tape on him. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've it's, seen it in others. There's, there's a guy called Scaffold Commander who's there from the very beginning. He's cutting the fences oh, yeah, so people can get in. He's right. up there telling people to go in. The January 6th committee hasn't said a word about this individual. They don't do that. They don't talk about the fact that I – because everybody was telling me – I didn't know too much about what was going to go on. I had to make a speech. But everybody was telling me it was going to be – you know, that they were going to be there. It was going to be big. And I suggested 10,000 soldiers or more. Right. Nancy Pelosi didn't want to do it. And I think the mayor didn't want to do it. I know the mayor didn't want it. I think she put it in writing. But they didn't want to do it. But if they did it, you know, on the fourth, on the third, we suggested it three days before. And they didn't want to do it. Now, they wouldn't talk about that because you wouldn't have had a January 6th if that took place, right? right? If you had, if you even had 500 soldiers, you wouldn't have had. Because right. relatively speaking, that was not a big crowd of people compared to the people that were listening to the speech, okay? You know, be, right. compared to the people that were at the speech, which is a little ways away. But that's one thing they don't talk about. The other thing they wouldn't talk about was the rigged election, which is the reason everybody went there. They right. didn't spend one minute talking about, as an example now, the FBI rigging the election. Because the FBI... 
you know, if, if if you go by there, because we did much better in the second election than we did in the first, okay, much better than 2016. Mm-hmm. But if you go to look at the numbers, they even said I only lost by 32,000 votes. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at all the corruption and everything else, I won by a lot. But they even, but they agree that millions of votes January were corrupted by the FBI and by uh, Twitter. On your screen. Right. And we haven't. Right. You haven't gotten into Facebook yet, and you haven't gotten into what they did with uh, probably Amazon and everybody else. When you see that, oh, yeah. yeah, it makes it makes Twitter look like. And I lost by and I lost by on. Darren. I lost by thirty-two thousand votes, according to them. I won. I even with all of that, I won the election. But they say I lost by thirty-two thousand votes. Think of it. So millions of votes were just on this one. The you, you saw the pollsters where they said seventeen percent. Of those people right. wouldn't have voted for Biden. That's millions of votes. So, you know, it's a very sad thing. Very, very it sad. It is sad. And it's interesting how all of these scams are connected. The Fed surrection hoax, the whole purpose of it is to make anyone who questions the election and to cast them as a national security threat and make it impossible right. for people That's to right. organize under that under that cause. So it's there's all that's right. They're afraid. And, they're afraid to organize, and and yep. the way they're torturing these people, I mean, to to have shot that young lady, and to try and make a hero out of that cop, that thug, that yep. shot her through the, you know, just horrible, for him to have shot that young lady, uh, Ashley Babbitt, was is just uh, just disgraceful, just disgraceful that that happened. Who was the the person that died? You know, they'd like right. to say other people, the other people didn't die, but a lot of people died in Portland and Seattle and other places. Right. You know, a lot of right. people. And they don't talk and about that. It is two tiers of justice. There's no question about it. It's very, and very sad, very dangerous. And people are very angry. I will say yes. that. They're very angry. And, you know, it's, it was, it, again, like I said, it's very sad that not everyone has your courage and very few people you're leading the charge, and we have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and others who are drawing attention to this, but I just really wish more Republicans would step up to the plate and have the courage to talk about this issue. This is the one thing that... Well, you've got guys regime. like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell no. is such a disaster <laughs> for the Republican Party and for the country, and, you know, he keeps the senators down. He gives them money. You know, he raises money. That's the only power he's got. He raises money, yes. gives them money, and then he has control, but... But uh, he's a disaster for the party. He's a disaster. You know, they're changing, as you know, the Electoral Vote Act, right? And if you remember, yeah. they said the vice president has absolutely no choice. Even if the votes are fraudulent, he has to send the votes to, you know, the old crow, Mitch McConnell, right? He has no choice. But then I say, why are they changing the law if he had no choice? They're changing it because they found out that he did have a choice. You understand? Right. So they're changing right. the law. They said he had no choice. And in retrospect, he should have sent him back. He should have sent him back. Right. Because I don't think those legislatures would have, many of them would have approved. You know, by that time, they were starting to see what took place, what really took place. Now, looking back at it, you know, two years later, it's it's really been corrupt. And now you add the FBI scandal. Does it make sense, Darren, that the FBI scandal seems to be, Almost bigger than anything else having to do with a corrupt election. Does that make sense to you? No, it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's, and it really speaks to this common thread throughout all these problems, the Russiagate hoax, big tech censorship, yeah. Fed's erection. It's a national security state, which is opposed to the American people. They're the enemy of the people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
It's an incredible. That was a that was a term I came up. The enemy of the people. I don't. Did I do a, I get credit for that one or not? Because I know. Oh yeah, huh? that was one of your best. One of the enemy your of the people. <laughs> the people. Fake news. The enemy of the people. We've had some beauties, right? But uh, it's it would be great if the Republicans would do something about it because they just Absolutely. got so many of them. Absolutely. Mitch McConnell so, is such a disaster. You know, in his position. How, could you What's imagine Schumer with- accepting the results? Think of it. Could you imagine Schumer accepting those results? You know, no. It's no. like it's unbelievable, but one of those no. things. Go ahead. McConnell has no popular support, so I don't understand how someone like that no. remains in power. People like McConnell and Paul Ryan and others, they're cut yeah. from the same cloth, and nobody likes them. They're worse than rhinos in a way. You know, it's interesting. Um, McConnell was losing his election. He came to see me. What I wish I would have done, you know, he's very nice. It's hard when they're very nice to you for two years. You know, they work on it hard because he needed my support in Kentucky. Right. They like me a lot. So, uh, you know, for two years. So I didn't run anybody in the primary. If I would have, I would have won because they hate him in Kentucky. Now they really hate him, but he could never. But but he asked my support, and I gave him the endorsement. And when I gave him the endorsement, he went up 21 points, and that was because he was losing. Amy McGrath. She had $93 million. She was ready to beat him. She was up by three, and he came for help. I gave him the help, and then he uh, – he, I think if he, if he had the votes, I think he would have voted to impeach. You want to know the truth. Yep, so, absolutely. You know, so, please don't do that again. When you're president again no, and Mitch McConnell I comes promise. crawling on his knees begging no, for no, your no. support, I please promise. tell him to go to hell. Yep. No, I will do that. And some others, too. But I will do that <laughs> definitely with him. <laughs> so, there are a couple um, of others out there. So we have this common thread of the intelligence community remaining this key impediment to political progress. And there's a recent story by Tucker Carlson that even suggests likely CIA involvement in the JFK assassination, yeah. in, indicating that the rod yeah. goes back very far, very deep. And Many have suggested a congressional investigation of abuses by intel agencies, hearkening back to something called the Church Committee hearings of 1975. Would you support such a kind of comprehensive investigation, public hearings, church-style investigation of intel community abuses? Well, I would, but I think the easiest thing to do would be to start with 2020, and then, as you say, yeah. you go to 2016. You know, in 2016, I just made it. I had God right. watching over, right? I just made right. it. Uh, they were shocked because we blew them away. You know, we blew them away. They couldn't produce that many ballots. We just got right. numbers that nobody thought possible. I could tell by the rallies. You know, when I had 45, 50,000 people going to a rally and Hillary would have like 300. Right. I could no, sort of see that. <laughs> you know, I kept saying, why are we going to lose? Yeah. No, I you know, I say, why are we going to lose? And you know, not only the writing fake, because the press is the press is a party to everything that you said. You know, we don't mention that, but the press is a party. Right. They do fake polls. Right. You know, the Wall Street Journal just did a fake poll, and a pollster that I know said they sh- that should be criminal what they did. They did a a fake poll, and it said anybody that says they're leading Trump, and does a poll on it. They should be investigated because, you know, I am leading by even morning consult, which is not exactly our poll, came out right. that I'm like 20 points up today. Um, but, you know, when they do these polls and I and I can take a bad poll like any I had a poll and in, in, I was going to lose Wisconsin 
2016 by 19 points, and I mm-hmm. won. And I said to John McLaughlin, why do they do that? They lose credibility. They don't care. The only way they can win is to say you're going to do so badly that people don't show up to vote. I like yeah. Trump, but I'm not going to vote for him because he can't win. I'm going to watch a yeah. movie tonight. You know. So yeah. it's no, uh, there are a lot business. of fakers, a lot of scammers in the poll business, as you know, including some allegedly on our side, but they're not really, which is unfortunate. Well, Fox is a terrible poll. I've always found Fox to be terrible. I was always behind with Fox. Right. Fox is terrible. Fox is terrible in a lot what of What about Frank Fox Lund? Is terrible. <laughs> he's, oh, yeah. Oh, Frank He's Lund. something else. How bad is he? Oh. He's become more irrelevant. I haven't seen him recently, uh, but yeah. he's bad news. He's, bad. he's another bad news guy. But, but the people that did the too. Wall Street Journal poll, the, yeah, he's a weird guy. I'd like to check on his life. You know, uh, I don't think he would. He's got some weird yeah. stuff, but um, yeah, no, but he's, just he's crazy. That I mentioned it. I'd love to know your thoughts. I mentioned this story, it's a really bombshell story that uh, Tucker ran on his show uh, recently about this, you know, CIA involvement, in JFK assassination. And I know you were leading the charge very strongly yeah. to have all of those documents out there to the public. Do you think this is something that? The public can handle psychologically. Do you think we, you know we should it should yeah. be kept under wraps? Are we talking like about Kennedy? Warrant? The Kennedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did re- I did release the Kennedy stuff. Then somebody said not all of it, and I said, well, I told them to release all of it. You know, uh, right. I did release the Kennedy stuff. No, I I think it's time. As far as I'm concerned, it's time. It's they're uh, saying Pompeo was done. kind of pushing against that. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I will tell you a little bit. I wouldn't say overly, but maybe enough. But, yeah. you know, I, as far as I was concerned, releasing it was good. They said some people were still living, at, you know, this and that. They always have an excuse. But, yeah. um, well, if I get in there, I'll do it. Okay. Excellent. I'll do it. Excellent. But I did do and it. Just, you know, we yeah. largely didn't. Wasn't that largely released? It was released, and then there were some elements that stepped in. People say it might be Pompeo, who, by the way, is he is he even actually thinking of running? In, you know, in this primary. I don't know. I'm surprised, actually. I'm surprised. Uh, if if he does, I'm surprised. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it, it looks would, like he could be. Yeah, it seems like he's making gestures in that direction, which is very weird, hey, but maybe hey, not as ridiculous. Maybe not as ridiculous as Bolton, who was also kind of indicating that oh, he's running. He was the worst. <laughs> he was the worst. But, you know, he was such a nut job that if he was at a meeting where I was dealing with Kim Jong-un or somebody, they'd all give me everything because they thought he was so nuts that it immediately went to war. <laughs> if we would have listened to him, you know, I had no wars. I stopped wars. If right. we would have listened to him, we would have been in three three world wars by the time you finished. He was a nut job. But – yeah. He was good for me for negotiating purposes because he'd sit there red-faced, never said anything. He was like a boiler ready to explode all the time, a real nut job. But he'd sit there, and my opponent, meaning from another country, would say, Trump is going to take me into war. That guy, they have that maniac sitting there. No, right. he's, a, he's a total nut. Not smart. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's 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 wild. Uh, the ideas that some of these guys get, we'd be at war with China, oh, Iran, Russia, all at once. And yeah, you made a great point. Most people don't, you know, a lot of people need to be reminded of this. You're one of the only presidents in a long time 
not to bring us into any new wars. And that's something people really need to appreciate, especially given all of Biden's failings in the foreign policy stage. Well, Putin would have never gone into Ukraine, 100%. I used to talk to him about it. There's zero chance. Uh, She would never have even thought about Taiwan, uh, which he is thinking about seriously. He wouldn't have ever thought about it. The Afghanistan removal was so bad that it gave them additional momentum. That would have never happened. I would have... I was the one that got our, our soldiers way down, but I would have kept Bagram, definitely, because because of China. You know, it's one hour away from China's nuclear plants where they make their yeah. nuclear weapons. So I would have I would have done that. But but, uh, you know, we would have had the soldiers take it out last, not take it out first in Afghanistan. So, you know, all those things, those big mistakes that were made were so bad. And, and even on a national security, I think when Putin looked at that whole disaster in Afghanistan. He said, this is my time to do it. But, you know, I was the only one in four or five presidents where Russia didn't take over land. Exactly. He never even made a move at it. Exactly. He never even made a move at it. He would have never, ever, he understood the consequences. I told him, but he would have never gone after Afghanistan if I were there, if the election weren't rigged. So, who do you anyway, think is a more, who do you think was a more clever leader in your dealings and estimation, Putin or President Xi? Well, Putin's been hurt by what's happened in the war. You know, everyone thought that was going to be a very quick war. And at a minimum, you can say it's been much harder than he would have assumed, right? Yes. Yeah. Now he's using, as as the Russians always have, he's using cold, cold weather to win. And that right. must be a terrible thing going on over there. But, you know, that's how they beat Napoleon. That's how they beat Hitler. With yeah. The cold, the freezing cold. and. You know, how does Ukraine take it where he's bombed all their energy and all their, you know, plants for creating heat? And now, uh, you know, Ukraine's a very cold country, weather was similar to Canada. And uh, that must be living hell right now, living hell. Now, it's a very sad situation. Oh, the people are all huddled up. They're trying to live. They're trying to live for the next day. It's freezing, freezing cold, very cold weather. It's a very, yes. they, they have very cold weather. And yes. you can imagine how horrible that is. No heat. It is. Anyway. It is indeed. I have it would have never happened. Yes, go no. ahead. I, have, um, I know I don't want to impose too much on your time. I have one last question, and it is about a uh, tragedy that happened in our own country, and that's the tragedy of, COVID, but really the policy response to this. And I think it's very clear now that the COVID lockdowns were a devastating policy choice, and they resulted from a decision forced onto the public, and nobody is more closely associated with that decision than Anthony Fauci. And recently, Elon Musk, of all people, suggested on Twitter that Fauci should even be prosecuted for his behavior before and during the pandemic. Is that what do you think of that? Is that something that you might support? And what is your general view of Fauci? So Fauci his- for me was, yeah, Fauci for me wasn't as big a deal as he was for the Biden administration because Fauci mm-hmm. for me was somebody that would he didn't have the same juice in terms of my respect for him and my listening to him, but he was there a long time, and you know you give credit for that, uh, right. and. Uh, but he, if you remember, he started off with no masks, 
And he right. saw, then he changed. He went from a no mask to a radical mask. I thought that was a strange situation. But he didn't want right. to close it up to China. That was important to close it up to China. I did that despite him. You know, he didn't want to close to anybody right. in terms of close the country because China was having it and they're having it big. And also uh, Italy and France, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as it turned out, I don't know. It seems that whether you closed it or not, there was no difference. You know, it's sort of an amazing phenomenon, right, when you think right. of it. But right. if you look at what I did, I gave the governors the choice. I mean, we had right. some governors that didn't close their states. If you look at mm -hmm. Tennessee and uh, South Carolina and a couple of others, they didn't close at all. I gave yeah. the governors the choice to do what they had to do because uh, I was open to it. Either way, I could, you know, again, nobody knew. Nobody really knew. You know, this was a new phenomena. Right. When you heard right. pandemic, I thought that was a 100 or 200 or 500-year-old kind of a thing that couldn't even happen. Who would think exactly. a thing like this could happen? And so uh, Fauci didn't play the role that he played in the Biden administration with all of the shutdowns, lockdowns, and all of the things that he was doing. He was going rampant. But with me, the ones that I gave the authority to were the Republican – with the governors – Including right. Democrat governors. Now, the Democrat governors shut them down, and the Republican governors largely kept them open or had had limited – more limited, or they opened up sooner. You mm -hmm. know, in many cases, they opened up very soon. But in some cases, they didn't close down at all. Uh, Florida closed down. A lot of them closed down. But some of them – and then some opened quickly. But some of them, Tennessee, South Carolina, I believe South Dakota, and others – they didn't close down at all, and they yeah. ended up doing very well. You know, they right. did very well. But I let the – sort of that is the Federalist way. Let the governors decide. You know, let the states decide what to do. Exactly. Uh, but they, and uh, a lot of them did a very good job. Yeah, with the benefit of the – Well, we did virus. help a lot is I got the equipment. I got the equipment for them. I got the ventilator. We were making ventilators. We were making – we were the king of the ventilator world we, within a very short period of time. They converted – automobile plants into ventilator plants. We were making them for the world. That was a big deal. We were uh, making, you know, by the end, we were making tremendous amounts of the gowns and the masks and the goggles and everything. We did an Operation right. Warp Speed was very successful, actually. Even and, my critics you know, with, say that. With the benefit of hindsight, it seems amazing. You see, you see what China is doing recently of shutting down. Like they're shutting down whole cities. I don't know if you've seen these videos from Shanghai and there are people committing yeah. suicide, and it's just very sad. It's amazing. Though. They got it yeah. so late, right? And they got a exactly. heavy dose of it. They got it so late. It looked like they avoided it almost. And everybody was saying, do you think China did it on purpose? If they did, they're suffering greatly right now. But they're exactly. very much later than the rest of the world. Isn't it amazing to see that, right? Yeah, but they shut it down. Where, you, know, they, <laughs> you think they'd have learned. Well, you would have thought, and they, they're welding people into the homes. Now, I, I think they're easing up now because they're having almost, you know, they're having a revolution over there. They're having, right. you know, but you see where they actually weld people into the apartments. Oh, and atrocious. it's not working. Yeah. They should have studied uh, other countries, to be honest, right? Yeah. We should have studied virtually every country, you know, not just yeah. us, but virtually every country. So, so Fauci didn't play the same role with me. You know, he wasn't up front for the most part. And a lot of the things he said, I didn't do. I just didn't right. believe in him. Right. I wasn't but he's not somebody that, that you would want to want to trust going forward. No, I, I don't think so. Look, his career is pretty much 
yeah. ended. He was there a long time. Yeah. But he played a big role in the Biden administration. He didn't play nearly as big a role in my administration. He had a position. Yeah. But I did a lot of the things that I wanted to do, that, and I made the right decisions. Yes. And finally, um, what do you most look forward to accomplishing during your second term as president? Well, well, you know, they put a lot of roadblocks in front of us, Darren. Yeah. And uh, that nobody else has ever had before. And it's an amazing thing because of people like you, uh, I stay popular, maybe more popular in a way, because people see it's a witch hunt. This has been a witch hunt that's been going on since I came down the escalator in Trump Tower. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, this is a, a never-ending witch hunt. When I watched Adam Schiff on Sunday on the news shows, using almost the same words as he used in Russia, 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 which turned out to be a hoax, and I watched that guy saying the same things about this, uh, you know, this current event, uh, it, it's just shocking that people can believe him. He's just, a, you know, an unattractive guy in every way. But he's using almost the same words. Uh, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. I remember all of the horrible things with Russia. It turned out it was a scheme that he and Hillary and the Democrats made up. And yet he's talking about it so solemnly, like, oh, it's such a sad thing for our country. It was a scam. And he made it up. Right. And he talks about it like it's, uh, you know, it's it's a very terrible thing. And, and right. how he can get away with it again is just amazing. You know, they wouldn't put him in the administration, which was a big blow to him, right? But yes. he's just a bad guy, bad guy, very yes. bad. They got a lot of them. They now, got a lot of them. Like They're not into the country. They're not for the country. No. no, it seems like they've just been using Russia and other things as a pretext to turn the United States into a kind of dystopian, authoritarian situation. Yes. It's been this constant Absolutely. excuse that they've used. It's uh, absolutely, and, and to disparage people like me, but disparage uh, people from, you know, from just, it's it's incredible. Every day it's a different thing, and it's all made-up stuff. They make it up, they're sick. You know, they ever put that genius to making our country great again, you know? Yeah. Like, let's have yeah. borders, let's have voter ID, let's have other things, uh, let's have low taxes, Let's have good education. The education, the, the programs are horrible. You see, yeah. you know, we're we're like almost last on the chart of 40 countries. Uh, and yet we spend more. We're number one by double or triple what number two is. And yet we're almost yeah. last in terms of uh, what we're doing. So, you know, it's, it's terrible. But if they would use that brain power that they have for cheating and just this outright <laughs> You know, lying and everything. If they would use that for making America great again, yeah. it would be great. It would be it's incredible. Be you see some thing. like successful criminals, and you say, "Why don't you just put your talents to use <laughs> in oh. something legitimate?" It's true. It's funny. And it's, I say that sometimes. You know, like on the border, I'll see things. You know, because I got to see everything. I'll see motor vehicles where it's genius. They'll take the cylinder of a of a car. They'll get 12 cylinders, and like 10 of them will be loaded up with drugs, and you can't even see, and it'll run on two, you know. It can barely move, but that's okay. But it'll run on two, and they'll show me where they put them, you know, in the inner rankings of the hubcaps and, and areas mm -hmm. that, you know, you 
I said, you know, if these people ever use this genius for something else, they could do they could do very right. well. It's like genius. But right. uh, I say that often. But the Democrats are that way. They're, they're in many ways they're criminals, and what they're doing Absolutely. to this country is criminal. It's criminal. Absolutely. And if you'll indulge maybe a non-political question, I, I think you've had Go such ahead. a fascinating and such an interesting life. And you've talked about the importance of um, loyalty um, a lot. And you've had a lot of interesting and celebrity friends in your life. And one of those was arguably one of the biggest superstars in the world, Michael Jackson. And, you know, he faced many attacks and you were loyal to him. And a lot of people um, are, you know, admire you for that. And I'm just wondering if, if you'd like, could you say anything about your friendship with Michael Jackson? So I knew Michael very well. He actually lived in Trump tower for a pretty long period of time. He had his honeymoon at Mar-a-Lago in the suite with, uh, as you know, with, with, uh, very well-known young lady, Elvis's daughter, mm-hmm. right? Elvis yep. does better now than he did 40 years ago. Uh, Elvis is, you know, pretty amazing. But but I knew Michael Jackson very well, and I I think I understood Michael. I mean, I could tell you off the record some stuff that's very interesting, but, you know, he was so bad off the record just for a second. Can I go off the record for a second? He was the most talented person. He would be... You know, he was very shy in person, but on the stage he was—he was just only happy on the stage. Michael was somebody that was born for the stage. He—he yeah. uh, he was like incredibly talented. I remember I was at the uh, Nutcracker, the ballet backstage, because Ivanka, my daughter, was in the Nutcracker, the children's version of the Nutcracker, and a lot of the great dancers saw that Michael Jackson was with me. I took him because he wanted to see if he could see the rehearsals. And he found it so interesting. And one of the greatest dancers in the world, I won't even use his name, but one of the greatest dancers in the world said, the moonwalk, he said, we're the best dancers in the world. Nobody's even close. And yet we can't moonwalk as well as Michael Jackson. They were asking him, <laughs> what do you do? How do you do it? Uh, no, he was, a, he was a very talented guy. His last years were not so friendly. I mean, it was rough yeah. for him. Those last years, they were they were rough years. Uh a lot of uh, he had a lot of difficulties and a lot of problems, but he was a very very talented guy. He had a, he had a big heart, big heart. Uh, it was a different kind of a world for Michael. Very interesting, very interesting guy. But but truly one of the most talented people I've ever seen as a performer, maybe the most talented. Yes. Well. Thank you so much, Mr. President, for your generosity. You're an American original and an American hero. We at Revolver News love you. We wish you all the best for 2024 and beyond, and we wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, Darren, and I love Revolver. I think I think Revolver does a fantastic job, and uh, you have a lot of courage, and uh, the courage is what we need now in this country because – we're going in the wrong direction. We're going in a direction that nobody would even believe possible. So thank you very much. It's a great honor. All right. Thank you, you so much. Darren. Thanks, Darren. You take care of yourself. Yep. Talk to you you soon. too. Bye-bye. So long. Yeah, that was definitely American Hartford worth Gold time. makes it Whoops. simple. And- that was definitely worth our time. It's good to hear from President Trump. And, 
you know, a lot of very frank discussions about there and a lot of topics covered, um, you know, just showing you he really gets it, you know, forget all the rest of the the fun and the drama and the this and the that. He, he just really gets it. So uh, while we got a chance to listen to that, you got to go through um, the, my downloaded phone of pictures I haven't seen in quite a while. I've I um, finally got a chance to get all my uh, pictures uh, downloaded on and I you know some of that stuff I haven't really looked at in a long time especially the the January 5th and January 6th though so you got a little insight there for some interesting stuff that I thought you guys might want to see um yeah there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot <laughs> there's a whole lot of stories just in those pictures there I think that's all of the whoops I it is now that's all the ones I have except for of course back in my day blowing blowing a training was car trouble Uh, There you go. All right. Uh, Thank you all for being out there today. That was uh, President Trump's January 3rd interview with uh, Revolver. Um, I hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet. I figured it was worth our time to get through. I have um, about two hours left of show, but I wanted to spend the time doing that and showing you guys some... uh, some interesting things, uh, maybe some stuff that I haven't really shown you guys before. So if you're watching the screen, you got to see some pretty cool stuff there from the journey that we have all been through uh, over this past three or four years, man. So much love. God bless you all. The Rumble crowds out there strong, lurking and listening. Much love. Thanks for being here today, guys. Twitch crowd, how are you all today? Uh, thank you all for being here today. Chris, uh, Roger Sterling's in the house. Uh, let's see who else is out there. Johnny B's in the house. What's up, Johnny? Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Yes, it was a great interview for sure, Chris. I'm glad we spent the time on that. And it's always good to hear from President Trump just in a frank conversation like that with, you know, somebody with mutual respect. I got a lot of respect for Darren Beatty, too. I have highlighted his work every chance I get. Shout out to Revolver and all the work that they do. Uh, there are a lot of us who are who are trying to help raise the awareness of the great work that they're doing out there. Shout out to them. Abolitionist, creative writer, uh, abolitionist, Texas girl, black uh, bitch Toria, <laughs> PDX Patriots. Who cares? News. Belouche in the house. Yes. So who cares? Thanks for your help with uh, Brazil uh, yesterday's uh, stream. I think we did a great job by covering Brazil in two hours, getting pretty much the whole discussion done that we needed to. Sean Joe, great to see you out there as well. Everyone else out there, lurk lists. All you guys do. Much love. Thanks for being out here today. I appreciate you all. Don't forget the website when you guys get time, uncensoredabe.com. You can find all my links on there. And if you missed yesterday's summary of what's happening in Brazil, well, you missed out. That's all I got to say. Check it out when you guys get time. Now, the last, uh, the beginning of it is probably a lot of the footage you've already seen. The last half hour, we did a kind of a live dig summary of what we could find going back to another color revolution. Yes, they call it the revolution of 2013, 2014 by Hillary Clinton and John Kerry and our clowns in America, in Brazil as well. So um, if you missed that yesterday, it's worth your time to check out. All right. Now, if I don't start moving on this stuff, I'm never going to get through it. So I appreciate you all being here today. I appreciate um, everything you guys are out there uh, lurking and listening. Hopefully, hopefully you got a chance to see some cool pictures there that maybe you haven't seen before. Um but I appreciate you. All right. Uh, first thing, Garrett Ziegler, congratulations on a new son born on January 6th. The Patriot baby born in a storm, as he called it. Congratulations to him and his wife. I hope all is well with them. I hear it is. And congratulations to, uh, like he said, ma- ma- making uh, January 6th a happy day. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Um, this is something you need to see. The Illinois leaks, the U.S. House U.S. House rules draft copies from D.C. Have you guys seen anything out there about the rules? I'm guessing. Um, 
you know, uh, this will be voted on tonight. So I figured uh, maybe if we can see it, can I, can I, can I, can I? Ah, yes, 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 I can. All right, this is the rules that they're going to be voting on. And if they haven't voted on yet, they're getting ready to here in the near future. This was leaked um, earlier from a top-notch source. Much love, Jay. Thanks for being out there today. HRES, 118th First Session, establishing a select subcommittee in the weaponization of the federal government as a select investigative subcommittee of the judiciary. This is a nine-page leak about the Mr. Jordan establishing the sub-select committee on weaponization of the federal government as a select investigative subcommittee on the judiciary. Resolve section one, select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government establishes the composition. There is hereby established for 118th Congress, a select investigative subcommittee of the judiciary called the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, hereafter referred to as the Select Subcommittee. Thank you, Jay, for the gold pills. I appreciate you. Much love. The composition of said committee shall be composed of the chair and the ranking minority member of the Committee on the Judiciary, together with not more than 13 other members, delegates, and resident commissioner appointed by the speaker, of whom not more than five shall be appointed appointed in consultation with the minority leader. The speaker shall designate one member of the select uh, subcommittee and his chair. Uh, any vacancy in the select subcommittee should be filled in the same manner as the original appointment. Um, each member appointed to select subcommittee should be treated as though they were a member of the committee of the judiciary for purposes of a select subcommittee. Investigative functions. Um, directed to conduct a full and complete investigation and study not later than January 2nd, 2025, issue a final report to the House of its findings and some interim reports and such interim reports as it may deem necessary regarding the expansive role of Article 2 authority vested in the executive branch to collect information on or otherwise investigate citizens of the United States, including ongoing criminal investigations, how executive branch agencies work with, obtain information from, and provide information to the private sector, nonprofit entities, and other government agencies to facilitate action against American citizens, including the extent, if any, to which illegal or improper, unconstitutional, or unethical activities were engaged in by the executive branch or private sectors, a private sector against citizens of these United States. How executive branch agencies collect, compile, analyze, use, or disseminate information about citizens of the United States, including any unconstitutional, illegal, or unethical activities committed against citizens of the United States. The laws, programs, and activities of the executive branch as they relate to the collection of, inf of information on citizens of the United States and the sources and methods used for collection of information on citizens of the United States, as well as any other issues related to the violation of civil, civil liberties of citizens of the United States and other matters related to information collected uh, pursuant to the investigation conducted under the paragraph there in this, this so, so far, so on. The authority. Invested in me by, I said so. That's why. Um, the chair of the Select Subcommittee may, after consultation with the ranking member, recognize members select subcommittee so far so on. Da, 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 and this, that, and the others. The successor of the subcommittee, uh, successor in interest, and the sunset of this 
shall cease to exist 30 days after filing a final report required under subsection. Hey, look at that. They even added a sun a sunset to their own investigation. What an amazing concept that is, is it not? <sighs> yes, 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 it is. January 9th, um, Post Millennial and Jack had uh, this out there as well, the 118th Congress formation of such select subcommittee, so forth. Um, into the probe and so forth, so on. So, so yeah, that's pretty much this. What is this? They were trying to do with our election. And then we were looking at the events, you know, the, all the interactions that Director Comey had with the president uh, leading up to the firing and then the firing. And I felt confident at that point in time that our investigative activities were lawful and appropriate. The so-called Steele dossier, when this came into the FBI, did you know it had been gathered um, uh, as part of essentially an opposition research request, first by a Republican donor and then eventually by the Clinton campaign. Yeah, my recollection is that it came in with that information. You did know that going in. I believe that's correct, yeah. At some point, did you think, what, what have we Lied done? Lied to Congress. It, it, that was alarming to me to read that, that an FBI informant was still sort of actively helping your investigation, but also pretending to be a Trump ally. It, 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 do you see why... Under that circumstance, perhaps why the president is so paranoid. I understand why people are concerned about the power of the FBI and some of the investigative techniques that we use, again, without confirming or denying the, spe the specifics of what you're saying here. And th the point is, what were we trying to do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 7th of his, because James was summarily Jack, good stuff as always. Appreciate that uh, introduction there into um, into that. Actually, you know what? I want to hear what Jack has to say. If you don't mind, it's, it's freaking two minutes. Let's just hear, hear it out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 7th, 2022, Anno Domine, a day which shall live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Remember Pearl Harbor. That was today. 81 years. But we have to talk about James Baker. So James Baker, you just heard there, this is a guy who resigned from the FBI during the Trump administration because of his role in the dirty steel dossier. Well, as we talked about before, there's a revolving door between the deep state and big tech. And one of the biggest names of all of this was James Baker, because James Baker found his golden parachute, his happy landing, was at Twitter as their general counsel. However, Elon Musk just last night confirmed that James Baker was summarily fired, exited in, in Elon's word. But what's interesting is what he was fired for. Matt Taibbi comes out and says that Baker intercepted the Twitter files that came out on Friday night got a copy of them before they were sent to Matt Taibbi or to Barry Weiss, who's also doing a write-up of them. This is a problem. This is a big, big problem. And apparently that was not supposed to happen. Twitter's new management was not supposed to know. Okay, so yeah, we've covered all that. Um, but I wanted to see, that was interesting to see Baker um, in that, that story. All right. Um, keep it on this topic and then we'll get to general Flynn here in just a moment. Uh, he had a quick thread that I want to read to you guys today as well. New Congress will include legislation on the border, China, abortion, and more. Thanks to GOP holdouts. 
with Representative McCarthy being elected as Speaker of the House after 15 ballots. Is Trump Speaker yet? Mm, darn it. Uh, Saturday, the 20 opposition secured several promises from the congressional leadership that will come to fruition throughout the 118th Congress. And I'm going to save this one. And we're going to check back on these um, rules packages and stuff tomorrow and through the week and see how this stuff really plays itself out. So this is for, um, you know, just for, for a bookmark, you know what I'm saying? One of the principal concessions to the 20 holdout was for multiple votes to take place on certain pieces of legislation that have been pushed by conservatives for years. As outlined in the House rules package, seven bills will be considered over the next two years of the Republican majority as reported by Breitbart. The first bill to be considered is to restrict certain balances made to the Internal Revenue Service. This legislation would likely focus on curtailing the 87,000 IRS agents that were hired to increase tax oversight after being passed in the Inflation Reduction Act garbage bill. The next piece of legislation is a bill to authorize the Secretary of Homeland Security to suspend the entry of aliens. This bill will aim to counteract the growing problem at the border by granting DHS secretary the ability to limit the entry of migrants into the country and especially illegal immigrants crossing the border illegally is illegal immigration, which makes you an illegal non-citizen, not a migrant. Anywho, this legislation, however, will likely be symbolic given that current legislation's lackluster response to the border, so it has been detrimental so that Senator Cruz has called for the impeachment of DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Yes, please. Let's start there. That sounds like a great idea. Then can we move to the uh, Attorney General? That'd be great, too. Yes, let's keep it moving. The next piece of legislation is a bill that would prohibit the sale of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to China. This legislation would stop the sale of the valuable reserve to America's leading geopolitical rival, which occurred in early 2022. The next piece of legislation would amend the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Streets Act to direct district attorney and prosecutor's offices to report to the attorney general and for other purposes. This bill is aimed at counteracting district attorneys who have been unwilling to fulfill their laws will hopefully be able to put a dent into the big crime problem in big cities. The next bill would require the National Instant Criminal Background Check System to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and the relevant state and local law enforcement agencies whenever the information available to the system indicates that a person illegally or unlawfully in the United States may be attempting to receive a firearm. The last two mandatory pieces of legislation in the House Rules Package focus on abortion. One of them will prohibit taxpayer-funded abortions and other would force healthcare practice practitioners from failing to exercise the proper degree of care in the case of a child who survives an abortion or an attempted abortion. In response to the breakthrough legislation that will be considered in the 118th Congress, Representative Matt Gates, who was one of the first, one of the last holdouts in the speakership contest, wrote on Twitter, this is what we've been fighting for. And so we will see if these things you know, come to fruition and we're going to hold them accountable. Renai, much love. Thank you for being out there. RP4L, knock my socks off. Tori is still out there. Crystal Jane, thank you for the gold pills. Thank you for joining us here today. Much love to you as well as Duda, man. What up, Duda? Duda. USA Landsharks in the house as well as Old Grey Goat, the abolitionist. 
Knock my socks off. Who else is out there? I missed a bunch of you. Ravens out there lurking and listening as well. Much love. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. Everyone over there on Rumble, you guys are out there and strong today. Much love. Thanks for being here today, guys. And thanks again to uh, PDR111 for the unbelievable uh, donation and Rumble rant over there on Rumble. God bless you, man. I appreciate you very much. And uh, who else is out there? Twitch cow, the rest of the crowd, crumble, crumble. Rumble, crumble. I was trying to say Cloud Hub and I said crumble. Figure that one out. Twitch and the rest. Much love. All right. What else? There was this too I wanted you to see. Here are the seven conservative bills guaranteed at a House speakership after vote. This also followed up by Tom Omziak. So I wanted to just show you there was multiple uh, sourcing on that um, that was out there today. So we'll see. We'll see. That's what they're saying. And then straight to Technofog before I get too far off base here. Investigating the investigators. Areas of focus for the House Committee on the weaponization of the federal government. Technofog five hours ago, as always, on fire. I've pretty much covered every single one of his threads since the beginning or their threads since the beginning. And I'm going to keep doing it because they're always top notch and they help inform my perspective on what's happening out there as well. Uh, social media pages, true social and gab for sure. Yes, indeed. With House Republicans having decided on the speaker, one of their next items of business is one that will is well overdue, the formation of a new subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, which would conduct a thorough investigation of abuses by federal law enforcement and national security agencies. According to a recent interview with Representative Chip Roy, Speaker Kevin McCarthy has committed to giving the subcommittee at least as much funding and staffing as the House Special Subcommittee of the last Congress investigating the January 6th attack at the Capitol. It's about time. Time, says Technofog, and I tend to agree. Of course, the very name of subcommittee, the weaponization of the federal government, suggests a wide-ranging inquiry that could look into the actions of a number of federal agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, the Department of Homeland Security, Obama Stasi, the CIA, and the NSA, etc., etc. It would include efforts by the Biden administration and the FD, FDA and CDC to eliminate unapproved speech about COVID-19 and how the FBI made, a, made sure social media companies, including Twitter, took down alleged misinformation about the 2020 election and had a part in the suppression of the Hunter Biden story. And that's just the more recent history of governmental abuses. What else is out there still waiting to be uncovered? There is more for sure. We just haven't heard of it yet. Then there is there are the federal abuses of their investigative powers, starting with the Russiagate fiasco. Yet even with Russiagate, there's much more we don't know. It's either hidden under layers of classifications or kept secret as part of federal investigative steps, or the evidence remains with the DNC and CrowdStrike, assuming it hasn't been destroyed yet. But if we could suggest areas of the Russiagate-related focus for congressional investigators, a long list that we have had to narrow down to the things we personally more curious about, here is where we would start. The DNC hack. Hmm, I would have to agree that would be my number one as well. Topping the list is the holy grail of them all, the purported Russian hack of the DNC servers. Initially, leading the investigation in response to the hack was no other than Michael Sussman, the DNC Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer who would later draw charges from special counsel John Durham for lying to the FBI about, FBI about other Russian information. Of course, the Alpha Bank Trump Trump in connections. We haven't heard more on anything else yet because Durham's still supposedly out there doing his job, right? Right, Durham? You're out there doing your job, right? You're not, you're not out there covering shit up, right, Durham? 
One can only hope. Anyway, as has been documented here and elsewhere, the investigation in the DNC hack was bungled from the start. The FBI never took possession of the DNC servers, instead relying on conclusions formed by DNC contractor CrowdStrike, which, by the way, was hired by Michael Sussman on behalf of his clients, Hillary Clinton. The FBI never obtained the, the complete reports from, from CrowdStrike, and even CrowdStrike had no direct evidence of exfiltration, as explained by Aaron Mate. The manner in which Russian attribution is described by U.S. intelligence officials signals that they lacked concrete evidence for their Russian hacking claim. Part of the DNC hack inquiry would, would be further documentation of who at the FBI raised red flags about the investigation's scope and seemingly predetermined outcome, Jim Comey. It would also get into who made the decisions. That gets us to the next topic. Corrupted leadership at the FBI and DOJ. This is admittedly a broad category, covering years of investigative and prosecutorial decision, but its importance is underscored by what we have learned about how the dubious investigations they decided to pursue, like how General Flynn was targeted and how that leadership's killed necessary investigative, uh, and how that leadership's killed necessary investigative into witness damning to their conclusion narrative. Witnesses damning their collusion narrative. With respect to the FBI, the the Michael Sussman trial revealed how FBI headquarters uh, ordered there to be full field investigation open into Trump's Alpha Bank allegations. This decision was made by the FBI's seventh floor, which, as you have seen by Q proofs recently, is no more, including Director James Comey. Huh. Interesting. I, I, I can't help myself. <laughs> I can't help myself. These crazy QAnoners always always talking about something. I tell you what, man. They're always, you never know. January 7th, 2018, seventh floor is no more. Huh. When was James Comey wasn't fired for a while, but hmm, maybe, maybe I'm way off base there. Anyways, the decision was made by the FBI's seventh floor, including Director James Comey, who was fired, and it was a significant step, according to, the F, to one FBI special agent. In order to open a full field investigation, we would need specific and articulable facts that a threat to U.S. national security has occurred or there have been violation of federal law. Based on what information did Comey possess to make that order? The Sussman trial also demonstrated that FBI headquarters disapproved the request from FBI agents investigating the Alpha Bank allegations to interview the source of the investigation. Which FBI leader denied that request? Hmm. Techno fog, just asking great questions out here. Corruption of the special counsel Mueller regarding Mueller's special counsel. One former FBI intelligence analyst testified that members of Mueller's special counsel is, is anybody curious if Mueller and, and Rod Rosenstein are still dirty out there? Do we, okay, never mind. Um, that members of Mueller's special counsel took the position to not investigate Mr. Charles Dolan. If you recall, Dolan was a Clinton ally who ended up being a source for the Steele reports. This former FBI intelligence analyst explained, we had been instructed at special counsel not to take further action on the matter involving Mr. Dolan and Mr. Danchenko's relationship. Hmm. Why would that be? I thought this was a truth-seeking thing. Everybody, right? Mom Mueller's a white hat. 
My mother's a gray hat playing a role. I thought this was a truth-seeking thing here. By that time, I, well, you don't understand there's other investigations happening. Oh, okay. That's possible. I'll give you that. By that time, the mother special counsel was aware of the connection between Dolan and Denchenko, and there were suspicions, if not direct knowledge, that Dolan had informed the Steele reports. The FBI asked Danchenko about Dolan on June 15, 2017, before Mueller asked the fourth FISA warrant on Carter Page, which was submitted to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court on June 29, 2017. Later on, the Mueller special counsel will prevent the FBI agent under its supervision from investigating Dolan. One FBI agent compiled a comprehensive report on Dolan and corroborated Dolan's involvement in the Steele reports. She submitted that report to the Mueller special counsel and requested further investigation of Dolan. She was told that investigation was not going to be opened, period. It's hard to overstate the importance of this inquiry. The instructions by Team Mueller to not investigate the Dolan-Danchenko relationship and to shut down the investigation of Dolan himself are informed by Team Mueller's understanding of the consequences of those investigative steps. Blowing up the Carter Page FISA warrants, exposing the deception into the FISA court, and the accountability from the FBI DOJ Mueller that would come from revealing that truth. That's just scratching the surface. Other matters that deserve inquiry include the wiping of special counsel's phones, a potentially criminal act. The DARPA connection. As documented by our friends Undead and Margot Cleveland, the, United, the U.S. Department of Defense and private individuals pumping the Alpha Bank hoax also assisted former special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Donald Trump for supposed collusion with Russia. But there's more to it than that. As provided by Margot Cleveland in this must-read that we've read here on Uncensored, there's the allegation that these researchers helped assist with the DNC attack attribution. That raised a question from a sport, former special counsel John Durham's team. Do you believe that DARPA should be instructing you to investigate the origins of a hacker, Guccifer 2.0, that hacked a political entity slash the DNC? The FBI's 2018 deceptive letter to the FISA court. In this letter, the FBI assured that the FISA court that they found Danchenko to be truthful and cooperative. This was written after the FBI knew that Danchenko had lied to them with his deception starting in January of 2017. That letter purportedly reviewed by the FBI, which confirms its factual accuracy. It is still to be determined who at the FBI reviewed that letter. <clears throat> and who vouched for the accuracy of Danchenko. Hopefully we can be, we can be provided answers. Nellie Orr, just throwing a name out there, Bruce Orr, any, any one of those guys maybe, uh, McCabe. I'm sure Comey had no idea what was happening in his lower ranks. The CIA collecting information on President-elect Trump. As we detailed in this article in February 2017, the CIA received manipulated information that data from Michael Sussman that purported to show that Trump or Trump associates had suspicious interaction with IP protocol addresses affiliated with Russian mobile phone operators. That's right. Russia. Russia! 
stolen, just like all the memes I take. Currently, we don't know what the CIA did with that information. Maybe they analyzed the data. Maybe they simply passed it on to the FBI. But at a minimum, we should ask why the CIA was so willing to accept a meeting and take possession of the information from a DNC lawyer that was allegedly damning to the president-elect. And there's another important question. What else did they collect on American soil? Uh, also, uh, what foreign intelligence agencies had roles in this whole thing? No, Durham can't talk about that, so I'll wait. Current conflicts within the Office of Attorney General Garland. As we've reported, Jake Sullivan is a witness in the Durham inquiry. Being there for the Clinton campaign, fusion GPS misconduct. He was mentioned during the Michael Sussman trial as one of the campaign staffers who received updates from on the Fusion GPS, quote-unquote, opposition research, as they like to call it. It's just dirty political games when you weaponize the government against the population and political candidates and everybody else. It's just dirty political games, okay? Sullivan's wife, Margaret Goodlander, who serves as counsel to A.G. Garland... We have strong reason to believe that Goodlander is keeping tabs on the Durham investigation. There's a serious concern that she's being provided non-public information on what happens in the Durham investigation. Totally improper for a government official who happens to be a spouse of a witness. Release the materials, the unredacted reports, and 302s. Let the public see what happened for themselves. Finally... This is one, this one is unrelated to Trump Russia, but how about the House Republicans demand all CIA and FBI documents on Jeffrey Epstein? We know they're out there. I'll wait. Techno fog, as always, directly over the target. This one will be our number one article of the day. And because of me running my mouth and deciding to throw off my show plan, um, do me a favor, grab that link, spread it far and wide on your social media and tell everyone to just give it a read. At least at the very least, somebody may read it and go, huh, wait, I, I didn't look at it like that before. USA land shark, Russia. Oh, man. All right, so there's Technofog. What's the other ones I got? Okay, now I can get back to my normal plan of action here. This, General Flynn's fled, thread. And I'm probably going to try to, I don't know, I'm going to just get all this stuff in. And anybody feel like hanging out for a little overtime today? Technofog is indeed amazing. And um, that is what helps me helps keep me informed on the bigger picture of this stuff because I ain't got the time that dude and, they, and their team does to analyze all this stuff and keep it in fresh in mind. Too much shit happens in our world. You know what I'm saying? Lieutenant General Flynn with a thread from January 9th. That would be today at 6.54 a.m. In the coming months, among other serious problems, and there are many, we are going to learn the Fisk has become a parallel Supreme Court, but operates in almost total secrecy. In 1975, Church stated, that is the legal ruling Church, hiding evil is the trademark of a totalitarian government. There is no more pernicious threat to a free society than a secret police operating beyond the law. 
if these abuses had not been uncovered and had the agencies gone unchecked, we might well have seen a secret police develop in the United States. Once that begins, the Constitution itself is in very real danger. Church was right then and his words are exponentially more on point in 2023. Advances in technology, growth of a federal bureaucracy, and deep-seated corruption across the federal government has only expanded the government's ability to destroy America's Fourth Amendment rights. Now is the time to form another church-like committee to enact serious reforms and either disband the agencies or demand full compliance and accountability from the increasingly rogue security state shadow government. Pray that our elected representatives have the moral fiber, integrity, and guts to call out and then do the right thing. Doing the right thing is really hard. America has sacrificed so much for so many. Our fallen and our founders deserve the city on the hill to shine once again. General Flynn, with a very nice message out there today, worth our time. Straight to Kanika the Great. Joe Biden's director of digital strategy, Rob Flaherty, pressured Facebook to censor Tucker Carlson. Apparently, Journalists are not allowed to question pharmaceutical companies who have paid billions in criminal fines for manipulating studies and suppressing adverse events. Here is the email from Andrew Slavitt of the World Health Organization, EOP.gov, R.E. Tucker. Thanks, I saw the same thing when we hung up. Running this down now. Since we've been on the phone, the top post about vaccines today is Tucker Carlson saying they don't work. <gasps> Yesterday was Tammy Lahren saying she won't take one. And before that uncensored Abe got banned for even daring to breach this topic. Not just uncensored Abe, but the uncensored family. Never mind. This is exactly why they want to know what reduction actually looks like. If reduction means pumping our most vaccine hesitant audience with Tucker Carlson saying it doesn't work, then... I'm sure it's a reduction, yes, from the White House. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for, for continuing to let us know. Whew. Don't let informed consent get out there. Can't have informed consent. Can't do your own research. Can't be inquisitive about what you're being told. Can't listen to the warnings of people who love you who are trying to help you. No, no, no. I, me... And the smartest person in the room, Dan Scoreback, thread reader, Ivermectin. Yes, as much as I've tried to not talk about this stuff as much as possible, I'm going to give this as much time as it takes, and then we're going to continue to move through the rest I have today, and then check in on breaking news here, as always. Before we get to that, we're, I'm going to have to go long. So can you hang out a little bit longer today, guys? Um, let me know if you can. If you can't, I'm hoping you can because the stuff I got for you for the second half is worth your time for sure as well. Uh, let me just check in. Anything breaking out there? I wanted to tell you a little bit about this. California is in my thoughts and prayers right now. California is getting freaking absolutely blasted right now. Absolutely blasted right now. Roughly 10 classified documents from Joe Biden's vice presidential days have been discovered in his office in a Washington think tank. A.G. Garland has assigned U.S. attorney to investigate. Say what now? 
This is why I check in with breaking news at the bottom of the hour. Byron York tweeting this out, uh, 2.41 p.m. Roughly 10 classified documents from Joe Biden's vice presidential days have been discovered in his office in a Washington think tank. A.G. Garland has assigned a U.S. attorney to investigate. A U.S. attorney in Chicago? What the fuck good's that going to do? To review classified documents found at Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in Washington, two sources with knowledge of the inquiry told CBS News a roughly 10 documents are from President Biden's vice presidential office at the center. The classified material was identified by personal attorneys from Mr. Biden on November 2nd, the day before the midterm elections. (laughs) Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, confirmed the documents were discovered when Mr. Biden's personal attorneys were pecking files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., not a problem. If the mods, if you got a bounce, not a problem. Thanks for being here today, mods. I appreciate you guys. Uh, we're packed. Um, Sauber said in a statement to CBS News, the documents were contained in a folder that was in a box with other unclassified papers, the sources said. Doesn't this story sound familiar? They tried to blame this on Trump. The sources revealed neither what was the classified documents contained nor their level of classification. A source familiar with CBS news said the documents did not contain nuclear secrets. <laughs> this is the sourcing for that Byron York right here, tweeting this out not long ago. Huh? Well, isn't that interesting? Overtime sounds good. Cool, cool. If you can hang, I appreciate it. If you got a bounce, I understand too. But if you can hang, I got some good stuff for you. All right. Uh, that dude is becoming a, a top-notch. I'm going to save. Um, if you saw it, good for you. Um, disclose. What do you got? Um, FBI director and the CEOs of Amazon, BlackRock, and Pfizer as well as the Gates Foundation officials to reportedly attend Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum Summit in Davos next week. Oh, boy. Cue all the Davos uh, digs that we've done in the past. Davos is next week. Let's see who else goes. And doesn't go. And now also disclose picking up on the Biden investigation into classified documents found. (laughs) Um... Okay, uh, where is, I need to show you California real quick, and then we're going to get back into the dig I had here. I wanted to make sure that I showed you guys what has been happening in California. Uh, it, it just does not look good, man. And all that rain that we were talking about getting ready to hit them last week is freaking hitting them hard right now. Um, let's just go to police frequency telegram here. Flash fog. Hi there, Casey Holy and Holy shnikey, zippity it. Um, flash flood warning issued for parts of LA. Uh, this is, let's see, Southern California. Uh, as you can see here, Mission Creek in East Coda, Santa Barbara. Um, you, cars are now boats. Nice little, nice little car you got there too. Uh, widespread rainfall and flooding will impact the majority of California throughout the day, including more severe storms arriving later tonight. 
Be prepared and listen to local authorities and also learn to swim. Santa Barbara shelter in place has been injured, uh, issued for um, Aysville fire due to a flooding, as you can see there. Uh, this is New Mexico. Um, oh, check this out. An SUV <laughs> towing a fully engulfed um, RV. Um, how, how do you not see that? What do you, what the hell? Anyway, um, there's that. This is De La Guerra and spring in Santa Barbara. Barbara, as you can see, cars almost fully underwater. Uh, Ventura, Ventura County, Arroyo uh, Soco no more. Arroyo Seco no more. Uh, this is former Dry Gulch River in the Olhai Land Conservatory. Now about 12 to 15 feet in a raging river. Ventura County, California, Arroyo Seco no more. From a dry gul gulch, as you can see. Um, heavy police presence in Southern California. Uh, what else is new? Okay, now, uh, is that all the ones from police frequency with regards to... Yes, it is. I'm going to get to the anti-gun stuff here that's in my list. All right. Thank you, thank you guys for hanging out. I hope you're enjoying the show here today. It was great to hear from President Trump. I love getting a chance to kind of hear him and hear his brain be picked by uh, great questions. You know what I mean? So I'm glad we had a chance to do that earlier today. Now it's putting a little bit me a little bit behind on what I want to show you today. So we're going to go a little bit late today. Creative writer, Space Ghost Patriot, Sean Joe, Doodah Man, Crystal Jane J, Sean Joe, the rest. Much love. Thank you for all the support out there. Rumble crowds out there lurking and listening as well. Sausage Launcher, Glenn. Chris, AJ Sanchez, and a bunch of lurkers. Do me a favor, hit the plus button, please. Thumbs up button if you can. Help me get some trending going on out there. What's going on, Twitch crowd? Grumpy Jones, thanks for the new follow. Chris, also, JC Bird gifting out subs yesterday that I missed. Missed those. Thank you very much. And the real Catherine resubbing as well as Chris. Thank you guys for the resubs on Twitch yesterday. I appreciate that very much. Z Patriot, Chewy, what's good, Chewy? How you been? What's good? How are you? It's good to see you out there. And I love that, uh, that you have uh, picked my brain in the past uh, to help form your opinions. And I, I hope we continue to do that going into the future. I appreciate when we continue to challenge each other as the way we have in the past. Much love. Thanks for being out there in the crowd. RP4L, creative writer, Politius, wash all the filth away. Learn to swim. Threat on Inver Invermectin. Ivermectin. I have to get this covered. I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to take as long as it takes. Thread. Released today, 3.7 billion doses of ivermectin, affordable price, virtually no side effects. Whoops. Ivermectin has been hailed as a miracle drug for 35 years, but now it's a dangerous horse dewormer, according to the FBA, FDA. Here is the untold story of ivermectin. This is why I have been was banned off of social media platforms for telling people to look up the ivermectin, and other alternative medicines for COVID. That's why I got banned. Ivermectin was discovered to have by two scientists in Japan. They won a Nobel Prize for it. Why? Well, some claim ivermectin to be the second penicillin in terms of having the greatest impact on human health. William C. Campbell, Satoshi Omori, and Yu Yu Tu. Um, from China's born in 1930 from um, interesting in 1988 ivermectin was used in Africa and mass to treat river blindness the who reported that because of river blindness 
Some 270,000 people had lost their eyesight, but thanks to ivermectin, this disease is now on the brink of elimination. Ivermectin is also instrumental in ma managing elephantitis. That disease causes legs to balloon to incredible sizes. Some 120 million people are infected with with in the world with in worldwide. Some 120 million people are infected with elephantitis worldwide. Thus, the WHO recognizes ivermectin as an essential medicine. Over the past 30 years, some 3.7 billion doses of ivermectin were taken by humans. By the time of COVID-19 pandemic, some found that ivermectin could be effective at treating viruses and inflammation. Here's what happened in Africa. Without ivermectin, as you can see in Egypt, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Mortriana, uh, Somalia, and then going into South America, Madagascar, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Nambia, and of course, South America, places not used ivermectin. The overall death rate compared to the rest, 14 second video. But these doctors found that in countries where ivermectin was used, death rates dropped dramatically. This was in clear contrast to the data coming from the U.S. The first study that mentioned ivermectin as a potential treatment for COVID-19 was conducted in Australia in April of 2020. Antiviral research. This is the this is the study that I showed and I I, I gave as sauce as sauce for my stuff that I got banned for over here. You get it? This was my sauce right here. An Australian study from April 3rd, 2020, uh, done by Leon Cayley, Julian Drews, Mike Ketton, uh, David Jans, and Kylie Wagstaff. And a month after that, the government of Peru improved, approved ivermectin to treat COVID-19 for the entire country. That's a population of 33 billion, million, 33 million people. After about a year... 33 million, yeah. About, um, after about a year, a nationwide study was conducted. It concluded that ivermectin in Peru led to a dramatic drop in excess deaths, as you can see there. Started given at, in August of 2020, by November of 2020, a 14-fold decrease in Peru in excess deaths because of ivermectin. Then a new president came to power and heavily restricted the use of ivermectin. Guess what happened? The death rate went right back up. You are the carbon they are trying to reduce. New president took effect office on November 17th, instantly restricted ivermectin and a 13-fold increase in excess deaths. Over in Brazil, there was a similar story. An international team of researchers examined 88,000 patient records. Conclusions? Brazilians who regularly took ivermectin as a precautionary measure had a 92% lower mortality rate. There is the study there. One of the authors of this study is a prominent ICU lung doctor from the United States, Pierre Corey. We have interviewed Pierre Corey to put all of this information plus more into a mini documentary about ivermectin. Here's what Dr. Corey had to say about it. The Untold Story of the Miracle Drug from the Epoch Times, January 6th. And there you see it right here, this short documentary. Let me see how long it is. Pierre Corey, for those of you that have been listening, 
Um, you know, we have highlighted For 35 years. I okay, that's 15 minutes. Um, I'll give you guys this thread so you can check that out for yourself. So was ivermectin, ivermectin effective in these United States? Dr. Benjamin Marble, for example, is an emergency medicine specialist in Florida. He alleges that his team has treated about 150,000 acute COVID-19 patients with treatment that involved ivermectin. Only six of those patients died. If you found this thread to be useful and want to support us, please check out that documentary. 15 minutes about the Epoch TV right there. And for those of you that have been listening and saw the interviews that I have done on this and know that I don't just spew. There you go. Chief nerd highlighting this from Joe Rogan. And I'm going to go here instead of that document. I will never regret the vaccine. Even if it turns out I injected actual poison and have only days to live. My heart and is was in the right place. I got vaccinated out of love while anti-vaxxers did everything out of hate. If I have to die because of my love for the world, then so be it. But I will never regret or apologize for it. It's a fascinating perspective. And it's also a fascinating perspective that this person claims to be about love, but has the most uncharitable view of people who didn't get vaccinated. They, that everyone got anti-vax out of hate. The idea that I didn't get vaccinated out of hate, I find so ridiculous. Like, I don't hate anyone. I am a loving person. I do it on purpose. I go out of my way to be as charitable and as kind as possible. And when I don't, I feel very disappointed in myself. If I make any decision or a statement that I feel like doesn't align with that, maybe flippantly in the moment, maybe joking around. I've, I'm very disappointed in myself. I'm very self-critical. When I see something like that, I'm like, that is ideological capture at its highest level. Because put that back up again. So what, what you're, you're seeing, one of the things that she's realizing here is that there is a narrative. And one of the narratives is the vaccine might be bad for you. So she's saying... Even if it turns out I injected actual poison, the idea that you wouldn't be upset that you were duped into injecting actual poison when you were thinking that this was somehow going to save people and save the world is so insane that that wouldn't bother you. But you are uncharitably categorizing all people who are hesitant and getting an experimental medical intervention that's never been tried on mass amounts of human beings in human history, and that there's no long-term data to suggest anything. Safety, dangers, risks, and also, if she's a doctor, a medical doctor, she should know about the VAR system, and she should know that although there are people that report things that turn out to not be correct, there's a very low number of vaccine injuries that get reported in respect to the actual number of vaccine injuries that take place. And in, in the past, that number has been estimated with previous diseases to be in the neighborhood of 1%. So for every 100 people that has a vaccine injury, one of them gets reported into the VAR system. I don't know what the number is with SARS, CoV-2. I, no, I don't think anyone knows. 
because we hear stories. I mean, it's so anecdotal. I don't even, I, I, I hesitate to even discuss it. You know, oh, I know this guy and he had a stroke and the, you know, they knew it because of the vaccine, but the doctors wouldn't put that in the VAR system and they refused to put it in the VAR system. You hear about all these stories. And then you hear about financial incentives that were in place to not just say that someone died from COVID, but that different financial incentives were in place to, to use certain protocols, medical protocols and treatments. So they were in financially incentivized to use certain things, certain medications. And then if the person was treated, if the person was ventilated, there's more financial incentives. Remdesivir, there's different things that there was financial incentives in private hospitals. So these are businesses and these businesses run a lot of them. You know, it's very it's a very precarious business. They're not necessarily always making money. And this woman's take on this is my it's it's in my opinion is this perfect encapsulation of this ideological capture that you see on social media, particularly on social media, because if you do say something on social media, even if it's correct about something like the pandemic, something very controversial, the, the sheer amount of people that are commenting on it, you're going to get a certain amount of them that are going to be very hateful and angry at your perspective because it doesn't align with their perspective. And if you say in a virtuous way, you know, I got myocarditis from the vaccine, but I would do it again. And there's a lot of people that say that. I've seen a lot of people say, it. I have a heart condition now because of this COVID vaccine, but that is a rare and unusual occurrence. I took the chance. I knew that it there was a slight possibility and I am one of the unlucky ones but I would encourage people to get vaccinated. This is also ideological capture. So you see that too. You see people say that too, and they say it to virtue signal. And they say it because people say, you are one of the good people. You did the right thing. You did your part. And then there's other people like Bill Maher who say, hey, I did the right thing. I did this because it was the right thing to do. I did my part. And now I'm realizing I've kind of been hosed and you haven't given me all the data. And then when you examine the original data that came out about the vaccine that proved that it was safe and effective, you realize, well, hey, that wasn't good either. That data was not good. Not only was that data not good, but it's probably manipulated in a way that would encourage people to think that this is safer than it actually is and more effective than it actually is and does things that haven't been proven, like when all of the media was saying that it will stop the, the infections from happening, you will never get COVID if you take these vaccines. We saw that with the CDC, we saw that with Rachel Maddow, we saw that with all these people that came on television with no evidence, not only no evidence that it stops it, but now we know because that one of the um, main executives at Pfizer who had to testify, was it to the European Parliament? Was mm -hmm. that what it was? Where that woman was asked, did you test this to see if it stops infection and transmission? She laughed. She said no. Yeah. Did she laugh? She did. She did. 
Um, well, she said no, though. She did. She so, definitely did. So all those people that were saying when Biden was on television saying, you take these vaccines, you don't get COVID. And then he got COVID twice. Yeah. Like all these people that said that were doing the dirty work of these corporations that had either willingly or unwillingly or unwittingly, I should say wittingly or knowingly or unknowingly, promoted this untruth. That's not Joe Rogan, bro. That was freaking fire, dude. Are you out there? Are you listening? Is my answer to that question. Because um, if you've been out there and you've been listening, everything he just said is what we've been covering this whole time. And you've, you know, so it's so frustrating to have people to, ha- to have the way that our government dehumanized all of us in the face of all of this. Man. Casey Defense is out there. These people are whack jobs. Indeed it is. It's good to see you out there. A school that was giving out money for $4,000 per vaxxed employees. A former, a school, huh? Big surprise. Big surprise. Guys, it is 6 o'clock already. And as you have seen, I still got stuff we got to go to. So... I'm going to keep it going. We got to talk about Adam Schiff. <laughs> we have, we need, we have to talk about, we absolutely must and have to talk about Matt Slap and CPAC. Yeah, you're fucking right. I'm going there. McCarthy is in the news. Tracy Beans has an unbelievable update on Missouri versus Biden. Uh, also, a threat about gun, our gun rights by Harold Wren. Uh, over the weekend that nobody talked about, needs to get talked about, and I, I need to get this stuff covered today. Um, that pretty much is what, what I have left. So probably a half hour if I keep it moving. If you can hang with me for about another half hour or so, I really appreciate it because this is stuff you need to see. And it's very important, especially this Adam shithead stuff. Space Coast Patriot out there gift, gifting a cookie in a war. There are casualties. People had to die for other people to wake up. That's for sure. I gotta. I've been waiting to use my my new sound bite that I haven't. So you get it. You get the first one to get it, Space Coast Patriot. You get the first one to get a little sound bite. If I get some shades out there, um, much love. Thanks for the support. Can you hang out with me, guys? Can you stay with me, Rumble Crowd? I know you guys are always out there looking and listening as well. I'm going to keep uh, keep it moving today because I want to. I want you guys to see the rest of this stuff I have here today. So let's get through it as fast as possible. How's that sound? How Democrat Adam Schiff abused his power. To demand I be kicked off of Twitter simply due to a personal vendetta, Paul Sperry has a response in the New York Post I kind of want to read to you. That's why I want to have it out there for you today, because guess who knows a lot about this topic and who I've brought perspective to you guys as well to help form our perspective on this stuff beyond the Q post stuff. Paul Sperry has been one of those that, you know, has helped form our opinion. And at one point, jeez, uh, real clear is just terrible. Um, anyways. Paul Sperry returned from a vacation to find an email from journalist Taibbi alleging that Adam Schiff's staff had pushed for Sperry's account to be uh, Twitter to be banned. As you guys know, we covered that last week or whatever it was when Taibbi talked about the Twitter leaks. 
All right, the Twitter files. Back from holiday vacation, I found an interesting email waiting for me in my inbox from Matt Taibbi, the independent journalist Elon Musk tasked with reviewing and releasing internal Twitter documents about decisions to censor content and ban users from the platform. Paul Taibbi wrote, just found a crazy email on Twitter. Did you know Adam Schiff's staff asked Twitter to have you banned? I was gobsmacked, said Paul. This was this would explain why Twitter would never give me a reason for suspending my account, even though I had broken none of its rules. Hmm, huh. that sounds familiar to me. Schiff, the powerful Democratic chairman of the House Permanent Select, Select Committee on Intelligence, made his request to ban me through his staff in a November 2020 email to Twitter. Three months later, in a February 2021, I, I was kicked off the platform. Why would a congressional leader sworn to protect the Constitution and the First Amendment want to muzzle a veteran journalist? Like authoritarians everywhere, Schiff did not like critical reporting. The man who vowed to protect our democracy from President Trump wanted to censor a free press. In articles for Real Clear Investigations, I outed his anonymous whistleblower from the first impeachment of President Trump. It was Eric Charlabella. And we brought that straight to you as soon as he, as soon as I found it. Charlamella, really? And guess what happened when Eric Charlamella's name got out there? A Democrat who worked in the Trump White House as an Obama holdover. The swamp runs deeper than you believe. I also exposed Charlamella's prior relationship with one of Schiff's top staffers on the impeachment committee, Sean Misko. My reporting cast fresh doubts on Schiff's claims that the 2019 impeachment process happened organically. The New York Times had already busted Schiff, Schiff uh, lying about prior contacts with the whistleblower. Initially, Schiff publicly stated his office never spoke with the whistleblower before he filed his complaint against President Trump, when in fact, a Schiff staffer had huddled with him, something Schiff spokesman Patrick Bolin was forced to admit after the Times story broke. The staffer was never identified. The prior contacts led to suspicions Schiff's office helped the whistleblower craft his complaint as part of a partisan operation or a so-called insurance policy of some kind. Huh. In the censorship uh, demands Schiff office sent to Twitter, Misko and the impeachment inquiry are mentioned. It's not clear if Charlamella is too, but since some names are blocked out, Schiff demanded Twitter remove any and all content related to him. Unlike... In other cases where Twitter did censor accounts, officials were originally argued that this isn't feasible. Huh, huh, it's not, we can't, it's not, we're not able to do stuff like that. At the time, Twitter was about the only media outlet where the names of Schiff's impeachment operatives were circulating. The Washington Press Corps had conspired to protect the so-called whistleblower and cover up his identity. The Washington Post even scolded me for identifying him, claiming I was putting his life in danger. But this was a bluff. I was told by his family, as well as impeachment investigators, that he received no credible threats. In his list of demands, Schiff tried to justify banning me by claiming I was promoting false QAnon conspiracies, which I have never done. 
and I challenged Schiff to produce evidence to back up his defamatory remarks. Schiff knew better. He knew QAnon was a trigger for Twitter censors who were suppressing QAnon posts. Yet even Twitter's liberal gatekeepers appeared skeptical of Schiff's claims. If it is related to QAnon, it should already be de-amplified. Emphasis in original. Did anyone mishear what I just said right there? Do I need to repeat the words that Paul Sperry is saying right there? Never mind. Schiff knows something about promoting false conspiracies. In 2017, he took to the, he took to the microphone in a televised House Intelligence Committee hearing and read into the congressional record a screed of wild conspiracy theories about Trump and Russia from the Hillary campaign funded dossier. He trumpeted them as if they were fact, but they were false. Every one of them, as Special Counsel John Durham has proven in court documents, expanding on what Justice Department watchdog Michael Horowitz found in his earlier report, we now know most of the preposterous rumors shift dramatically read into public record came from a source who was invented by the dossier's authors. In his hyping of the dossier, Schiff smeared and defamed not only Trump, but also Carter Page, a low-level Trump campaign advisor whom Schiff falsely painted as a Russia agent. The next year, Schiff would be caught lying about so-called Nunez memo exposing FBI abuse of FISA wiretap process on, to spy on Carter Page. Schiff claimed then... House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunez med misled the public when he said the FBI heavily relied on the debunked dossier to swear out the warrants. In his own memo, Schiff, as a ranking member, insisted the FBI warrants were based on other evidence and were above board. In 2019, the scathing Horowitz report proved it was Nunez who was telling the truth. Schiff, who had access to the same classified FISA information as Nunez, knew better. Knowingly. This is the real spreader of falsehoods. Nonetheless, Twitter promised Schiff they would review my account again, which suggests this wasn't the first time Schiff had tried to silence me or the last. Were there other communications? Phone calls, texts. Months after Schiff lobbied Twitter to ban me and remove all the impeachment-related content from its platform, his communications director and chief of staff, Patrick Bolin, tried to intimidate my editors at RCI into retracting the impeachment stories I broke a year earlier. In his emails, Bolin invoked a events of January 6th warning our stories could result in actual violence if they remained online. Over time, Bolin's demands became more and more strident, but my editors refused to give in into the bullying. It wasn't my safety. It wasn't about my safety. It was about wanting to avoid any scrutiny for their actions. After joining Twitter in June of 2016, I tweeted more than 20,100 tweets. I amassed more than 340,000 followers, all without any problems, without any suspensions, until Schiff exercised his vendetta against me. He appears to have secretly interfered into my ability to do my job for almost two years. 
calling Twitter social media as a misnomer. In many ways, Twitter is simply the media now. As a working journalist, you need Twitter to do your job. News is broken there. Corporations and governments post their press releases there. Key information and data are archived there, including my own uncensored anons. If a powerful government official prevented me from promoting my stories, including my New York Post columns on the nation's digital town square, how is that not state censorship? House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, now battling for the speakership, has vowed to block Schiff from serving on the intelligence panel's top Democrat, but Schiff has bigger ambitions. He's said to be planning a run for Senate, where he could arguably have more power and influence to silence free speech. Paul Sperry, some absolute fire for you guys today. Uh Great patriots out there have been trying to get the information out there, and I have just always tried to present them as perspective for you guys. And uh, because of that, man, great patriots like him have, have also been through the deep ringer. You know what I'm saying? They have been through the ringer of stuff. What is QAnon? Who is QAnon? I have no idea what QAnon is, actually. QAnon is a media creation just like the Russia hoax is a media creation. Okay. Now, this is from the Daily Beast. This can be easily written off as consider the source. Fine. You're welcome to do that. However, comma, I'm going to read this to you. A Herschel Walker staffer says, Matt Schlapp groped my crotch. American Conservative Human Union Chairman Matt Schlapp allegedly groped the crotch of a mouse staffer for Herschel Walker's campaign in October. Huh. CPAC, huh? A staffer for Herschel Walker Senate campaign has allegedly had alleged to the Daily Beast that longtime Republican activist Matt Schlapp made sustained and unwanted and unsolicited sexual contact with him while the staffer was driving Schlapp from an Atlanta bar this October. The staffer said the incident occurred on the night of October 19th when Schlapp, chair of the American Conservative Union, American Conservative Union, and leader of the influential CPAC conference groped and fondled his crotch in his car against his will after bullying him into drinks at, at two different bars. After buying him drinks at two different bars, excuse me. The staffer described Schaff, as, uh, who had traveled to Georgia for a Walker campaign event, as inappropriately and repeatedly intruding his own personal space at the bars. He said he was also keenly aware of his power dynamic with Schlapp, widely regarded as one of the most influential figures in the national conservative politics. The Schlapp, uh, Schlapp the staffer recalled, said he had wanted to spend the evening discussing the staffer's professional future. It was a public space, and I was thinking that he got the hint. I did not want to embarrass him, he said, but it escalated. They're going to withhold the staffer's name at request, but, um, you know, obviously, but, um, what the hell? The ACU responded very quickly, I might add. And I will just say this. I am with all those who say, 
the ones who are who are um, defending match slap, keep them in mind. Keep that in mind. We've seen the most recent egregious attack by the Daily Beast and the ACU chairman Matt Schlapp. We have both known Matt and his wife Mercedes for decades. We know Matt Schlapp's heart and his character, and we believe his latest attempt at his character assassination is false. Unfortunately, the left and his note-takers in the media choose to scorch earth in their quest to cancel those whom they disagree. So it's a, it's, it's a cancel. It's, can, it's cancel culture. So, so CPAC, okay? So that, that, that's what, that's what CPAC said. They said, this is cancel culture. I just want you to know their official statement on the record. We'll keep an eye on that for you. I know you have many of you have seen this out there today. And in the interest of uh, not going into too much overtime today, I'm going to just try to get through as much of this as possible. McCarthy took $2 million from MTX crypto crypto scam co-founder. Anyone, anyone out there curious about McCarthy? Wondering, you know, what kind of leverage he may have over held over his head? Well, considering McCarthy, um, he he hasn't said he what he intends to do about the money. While other Republicans have turned FTX funds over to the U.S. Treasury. Speaker of the House nominee Kevin McCarthy received some $2 million from a co-founder of FTX, the crypto startup that cost investors more than $8 billion and prompted numerous federal investigations for fraud and misuse of funds. FTX co-founder Ryan David Salami gave $8,700 directly directly to Representative McCarthy's 2022 congressional campaign and chipped in another $2 million to, to the Congressional Leadership Fund which McCarthy controlled, according to the FEC reports. It is unclear whether McCarthy plans on re, plans to return the donations or if his office has pledged to cooperate the Securities and Exchange Commission's FTX investigation and other federal probes. Hmm. As you know, candidates are required to return legally questionable donations or pay them over to the U.S. Treasury, according to the FEC. Senator Romney agreed to pay the United States uh, Treasury for donations that he received from the FTX scandal. Huh. McCarthy's Lieutenant Tom Emmer, Indiana, signed a letter on March 16th asking federal investigators to go easy on FTX and other crypto firms. When the investigations into FTX began, McCarthy sounded a different note, demanding a full investigation of FTX on December 13th, Fox Business Channel appearance. Hmm. McCarthy said uh, Sam Bakeman freed all his money goes to Democrats. So don't worry about that. There's no taxpayer money laundering going to, to Republicans, no. Especially not $2 million. McCarthy did not acknowledge Bankman-Fried's tweets alleging that he had decided to give up upwards of $40 million to Democrats while directing his co-founder Salami to give similar amount to Republicans. McCarthy admitted receiving money from FTX co-founder, I never received money from him. Bankman-Fried, I received money from an individual who worked there as well, McCarthy told Fox. 
McCarthy's spokesperson, Christina Cameron, failed to respond to emails and phone calls. Huh. How's that win for you? How's that win feeling for you out there now? Tracy Beans, uh, a thread on a refreshment of Missouri versus Biden and where we are. Thank you, Tracy Beans. I need this for us and our audience. Right now, there are a few things occurring at the same time. The judge in this case has granted expedited discover and deposition in order to rule on a temporary injunction. As the trial moves forward, this is the relief sought in that injunction, taking steps to demand, urge, encourage, pressure, and otherwise induce any social media company or platform for online speech or any employee, officer, or agent of such company or platform to censor, suppress, remove, deplatform, suspend, shadow ban, deboost, the rest. To get to a place where a judge can grant or deny this temporary injunction, the judge had allowed that depositions of several high-ranking officials. Of course, the government appealed this, and everything else is in a mandamus petition to the Fifth Circuit and other uh, courts. The Fifth Circuit asked the judge in the lower court to re-examine whether lower-ranking individuals could give the information needed. The plaintiffs identified them. Those depositions have been granted. There are a few outliers, namely Jen Psaki and Rob Flaherty from White House comms. But didn't we just talk about Rob Flaherty? Oh, yes, we did. The Psaki um, deposition was interesting. When she left the White House, she was no longer a plaintiff. She wasn't press secretary anymore. Huh. When the plaintiffs asked the new press secretary for a response of documents required, they denied any existence of such and said they wouldn't know because they didn't say any of those things. They didn't say any of the things in question. They denied any knowledge of anything. So plaintiffs were forced to subpoena Pasaki and a non-party as a non-party to the case. She was the only one who had the info they needed as per the government. Let me read that again. Plaintiffs were forced to, to subpoena Pisaki as a non-party to the case. She was the only one who had the info they needed. So Pisaki hired high-powered formed D, former DOJ fixers and also had the government arguing for her. And she challenged the deposition in a VA court saying both the time it would take her to prepare the disrupt, it was dis disruptive to her family and that she had no information. The judge in the VA wasn't having it. He said, how could there be no such preparation if you have nothing to say? How dare you bring this to another jurisdiction for me to step on another judge's toes without the record in front of me? Judge's decision in LA stands. Then the judge in, in L.A. again ordered the deposition of, of Pisaki. Well, then the government then went back to the Fifth Circuit and added Pisaki to the original mandamus request and then asked the Fifth Circuit to rule that she shouldn't testify. They really don't want her under oath. On Friday, Tracy Bean says the judges there sent it back to the L.A., saying they should try to find someone else without getting into it too much. They misstated the record when they made that decision. So I'm waiting to see what happens now. The judge in LA will make some sort of order shortly. At the same time that this is all happening, Flaherty has been ordered to submit to written inter in interrogatory. 
which is why you are suddenly seeing Flaherty emails on censorship floating around on Twitter. While all this is going on, there's a motion to dismiss on the amended complaint filed by the defendants. The plaintiffs responded to the motion on Friday, as well as in a 99-page ruling. It's well-pled. The judge has already ruled against the defendants on numerous of their arguments. Plainly stated, the defendant motion is legitimately deceptive in its pleading, but they are likely doing it the way they are because they intend to go back to the Fifth Circuit again and hope the panel rules in their favor on a mandamus, meaning something they have been hesitant to even touch on so far. Excuse me. Instead, they've been better served to send things back to the judge for another look, something that hasn't worked out poorly for the plaintiffs, to be honest. The judge in L.A. is ruling properly while he has the Fifth Circuit breathing down his neck because the government wants to stop you from being able to speak freely and espousing wrong think. There's a lot more here, but we are moving along in this case, and I will continue following it for you as as we go. I'll leave you with this bit from the Fifth Circuit when they ruled about Pasaki the other day. The central concern of this court is that absent extraordinary circumstances, depositions of high government officials should not proceed. That rule is a constant across the decades, regardless of who officials are. Huh. The circumstances have not yet been shown as extraordinary in light of possible alternatives. Interesting. Tracy, I'm watching your analysis of this very closely because you have been all over it from the beginning, and I'm going to keep raising awareness about your great work on it. All right, for this, as quickly as possible, time for a thread. Harold Wren, who I disagree with about most of what he says, it's going to take me seven minutes, and then we wrap it up from here, guys. So check this out, though. Over the weekend, a lot of very important legal happenings have occurred, particularly in regards to the Second Amendment. Who wanted some good news? Here you go. During the last Supreme Court session, the U.S. Supreme Court wrote a landmark decision in NYSRPA versus Bruin, a case that we've covered here with the audience very deeply. But another equally important but lesser-noticed landmark case was also decided last term, and it is having earth-shaking effects. Last term, a case came before the U.S. Supreme Court where West Virginia sued the EPA for egregious changes in the Clean Air Act that essentially rewrote the law with much tougher restrictions. This was done at the Biden administration's direction to directly target the West Virginia coal industry. In West Virginia versus EPA, the crux of the matter was executive branch agencies abusing Chevron deference legal standard to exceed their regulatory authority to essentially rewrite laws for political reasons by changing their regulatory definitions and rules. In deciding West Virginia versus EPA, SCOTUS ruled that EPA exceeded its authority and that Chevron deference does not permit an agency to make rule changes that effectively modify existing laws or would create a new law. This is all refresher for those of you who have been out there and listening, but for myself as well, (laughs) the Supreme Court ruled that in drastically changing the Clean Air Act standards to punish coal and oil industries, the EPA was rewriting the law, which only Congress can do. They ruled the changes unconstitutional and further defined that Chevron can only be used when the rule changes or regulations 
changes had minimal economic or political impact. The EPA rule changes were political in nature and would have dire economic consequences for West Virginia and ruled in West Virginia's favor. This precedent applies to all executive branch federal agencies. Now, the fallen was was talking about this with J Bell Saturday night, so this is the this is the full of this, okay? This precedent applies to all executive branch federal agencies, in particular, all regulatory agencies like the EPA and the ATF. At the start of the Biden administration, they aggressively began to attack gun rights through regulation and rule changes. Among the rule changes was at the direction of the Biden White House, the ATF carried over the Trump administration decision to classify bump stocks as machine guns. This effectively made their sale, purchase, and possession illegal unless registered items registered at ICE at as items in the National Firearms Act. Overnight, this turned a couple of million of law-abiding gun owners into felons overnight. Excuse me. Based on a political decision, another rule change that the ATF adopted at the Biden White House order was to reclassify all AR-15 style guns with short barrels and pistol braces as no longer being recognized as pistols as they had for over a decade and to reclassify them as short barrel rifles governed by National Firearms Act, making approximately 15 million previously law gun law previously law-abiding gun owners into felons with a stroke of a pen. This decision was also made based on a political considerations. It was ordered by the White House as part of the Biden administration's gun control push. The Biden administration also pushed the ATF to redefine what a firearm frame or receiver was. The ATF changed the rules on three separate occasions to finally arrive at the conclusion that a frame receiver was 80% machined and incomplete was in fact a fully made firearm. Huh. Hmm. This politically motivated rule change was Biden's widely publicized effort to quote, crack down on ghost guns. All three rule changes were made by the ATF relying on Chevron deference as their legal framework and justification. Two of the three violate West Virginia versus EPA. You see, in 1968, the U.S. Congress passed one of the most sweeping gun control bills ever into law, the Gun Control Act of 1968. This law was signed into law by Lyndon B. Johnson. Since then, it has been the law of the land. Within this law, the legal definition of machine guns, what constitutes a firearm frame or receiver, and what constitutes a pistol, the language used in the law is highly technical and specific. In order to affect three rule changes directed by the Biden administration, the ATF had to rewrite these legal definitions. The ATF exceeded its legal authority to redefine these items as explicitly defined here in the 1968 Gun Control Act. The definitions and text of the law can be viewed here. Why is all this legal ease important? And why am I holding you into overtime to make you hear this? Where is he going with this? And where have I tried to go with this? Yesterday's hinge ruling by a Fifth Circuit court utterly destroying the ATF's rule change on bump stocks. The Fifth Circuit court ruled under West Virginia versus EPA. The ATF doesn't have the authority to make that change. 
their rule would result in the prosecution of people's people possessing bump stacks and felony convictions, fines, and prison times, the ATF had created a new law exceeding its authority. The changes would need to be made by Congress by amending the Gun Control Act of 1968. Jared at GunGadgets produced a short explanation video of a 62-page decision against the ATF here in this 17-minute video. 17 minute 30 second video while I expect the ATF to appeal this ruling they aren't going to get far this would require the ATF appealing the ruling to the US Supreme Court there's no guarantee the court would choose to hear that case if the Supreme Court declined to take the ATF's appeal the Fifth Circuit's decision would stand as law it's highly unlikely the court would take the case as it's settled law by two different landmark cases from the last term, Bruin decision and West Virginia versus EPA. For the ATF to succeed in its appeal, it would need the Supreme Court to take on this case and overturn both landmark rulings from last term. I don't have to tell you how small the odds are of that, but why is this case important? This ruling is far larger than this one case. This case will now be used as precedent in ongoing lawsuits against the ATF in the frame and receiver ruling case. You can find find a great primer on this case here. Past that for now, those of you that are aware of this stuff already know. So far in this case, the federal judge overseeing this case has told ATF on three separate occasions that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in this case and has allowed additional plaintiffs twice in the case and granted a temporary injunction against the ATF in the case. There's also ongoing lawsuits against the ATF and the pistol brace rule, which are also likely to succeed on its merits. This case could play out a couple ways. Either the federal court rules against the ATF and makes it way up to the higher court or the ATF loses and high court declines to take the case as Bruin and EPA landmark rulings are already settled law. The Biden administration has been lawless from its first day, ignoring federal law, the bill of rights, acting more as a dictatorship than a constitutional elected government bound by law. The Biden administration has lost courts battles over the vax mandate, remain in Mexico, free speech, and ongoing cases like the ones I outlined here, in addition to Missouri versus Biden currently going on over there, abusive censorship covered by Tracy Beans will also further add to the losses. This case is decided by the Fifth Circuit will have massive ripple effect across the executive branch. This case directly addresses Biden administration's abuse of Chevron in direct defiance of West Virginia versus EPA, but things are coming. Lawfare is our biggest weapon against tyranny. Very, very well done. Five and a half minutes to wrap this up. Hey there, friends. I want to put out a really quick video. I know most of you already heard about the bump stock ban that has been struck down by, proudly enough, the Fifth Circuit Court down here in Louisiana. Real proud of that. Um, they aren't usually known for doing stuff that we approve of when it comes to firearms. A little bit of really quick backstory on this. The Supreme Court had originally decided not to hear this. Now, in many cases, the Supreme Court won't agree to hear something that makes it to, uh, to that point. 
if all of the lower courts, the circuit courts below them, all kind of are in the same agreement. They typically won't take something on. It's usually the Supreme Court will get involved whenever there's a disagreement in the circuit courts. That's typically when you'll see things get elevated to the Supreme Court. Well, a few circuit courts actually upheld the ban, and it wasn't until it got to the Fifth Circuit, when the Fifth Circuit actually uh, upheld the ban, until they agreed as the entire panel of judges to hear it, which is when they struck it down. Now, the interesting thing in all this was the judges were extremely lengthy in their write-up about this. In fact, they were extremely specific and very detailed in their write-up. In their write-up, they excoriated the ATF and kind of with a backhanded slap at Congress. More on that here in a second. They pretty much got on the ATF about you're not you're a regulatory agency. You are not a lawmaking agency. You simply can make rules. If you'll remember, the ATF has been making rules and was wanting to make one implemented in this case with criminal penalties that actually were associated with breaking the quote rule regarding bump stocks. And let's remember, let's as a side note, remember that we have a very similar stabilizing brace issue that will directly be impacted by this where they, again, wanted to assign criminal penalties and even prison time to you breaking their, quote, rule. Let's remember the ATF cannot make laws. Only Congress can make laws. So by law, the ATF cannot pass a rule that has prison and criminal penalties tied to it because that would be breaking a law, not a rule. The reason why this is so important is because this is the same thing that we've all been saying. The ATF cannot make, uh, make laws. They cannot make a, uh, a rule that puts you in jail if you break it. And this court is doing the smart thing by telling Congress, in so many words, you need to do your job. We've been telling Congress, this is your job. Congress is essentially a bunch of cowards. They have shunned their responsibilities time and Agreed. time again, not just with bump stocks, but as it relates to guns in general. Quick little side note, let's not forget that Donald Trump is who wanted this bump stock ban to be put in place. This bump stock ban probably would not have been pushed so quickly and so forcefully through without the encouragement of Donald Trump as after the Las Vegas shooting. And that's where I go back to Congress being cowards. These people have not wanted to touch hot topic items and hot button items for a very long time as associated with firearms simply because they fear being boosted out of their seats more than anything else in the world. And they want to sit on that fence and they want to act like, oh, we're doing something. And then they want to still coddle and cozy up to all these Second Amendment people. Fire. And they can't do that if they're passing laws that are, quote, banning bump stocks. So that's why they kicked this to the ATF. And what's interesting about this case more than anything to me is the very fact that this court is saying Congress needs to do its own job. Now, where does it go from here? It's very possible this could make it back to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court at this point likely would hear this simply because there's some confusion and some disagreement at the circuit court levels down below them. Will Merrick Garland actually appeal this so that it goes to the Supreme Court? Who knows? Because let's not forget, Merrick Garland could let this go. Now, Merrick Garland's a complete failure, but he could let this go and just let it be what it is. Or he could press the issue appealing it, which when it goes Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court rules in favor of us, the gun community, then that is a Supreme Lawfare, they said they wanted to play. That, that's what I heard. 
I heard they wanted to play some lawfare. How's abortion working out for you, you fucking pieces of shit, Lawrence Fink, or whatever the hell the rest of you scumbags are, Lawrence Tyne? How's that lawfare working out for you? Last less than a minute, and then I'm going to wrap the show up here. Thanks for being, thanks for hanging out for an extra little overtime today, guys. Much love. Supreme Court ruling very similar to Bruin that affects the entire country, and it has way more weight than this, just Merrick Garland letting this go at the circuit court level. I know there's a lot more to it than just that, but I'm just saying Merrick Garland may have... Uh, have to make a calculated decision on whether or not he wants to take this to the Supreme Court and risk losing it at that level. So this is a big thing. I think it has major ripple effects across across the entire country, across so many things that the ATF is trying to overstep right now. And again, I have to repeat, including that stabilizer brace issue. Remember, the stabilizer brace issue was originally supposed to be uh, done earlier last year. Then they pushed it to December. Now they've pushed it to this month in January 2023. And it's very likely this is why they're doing that because they see what's happening here and they may need to pump the brakes on what they're trying to do now. Because again, let's remind ourselves, the ATF cannot make a rule that's punishable by prison and monetary fines that has some kind of a penal implication to it. Unfortunately, they're trying to do that, and they have been doing that, and this court has pretty much told them, you can't do that, and we're not going to let you do that. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> LegallyArmedAmerica.com is that source and i yeah you can you tell i've been uh watching this shit closely watching this very close lawfare is what they wanted they wanted to say they, they wanted to play they wanted to play some lawfare they, they they were talking you know with their crackerjack box law degrees and and their and their judges they had their back pockets and stuff they were talking a hard game about lawfare man they were just just talking and, and um and, and there's still, a lot of them are still out there talking, really, you know, and a lot of people are being misled a lot of things, man. And I'm just double checking here. If that's, that is all of it. Damn. I got through all of that shit. Seriously. Investigating the investigators, uh, Fox news account, the fallen one. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Oh, uh, so here's my wrap up stuff. Here's my news blitz wrap up stuff. Um, an 82-year-old Walmart employee retires after viral TikTok video raises over $100,000 on a GoFundMe. An 82-year-old Navy veteran says he will use the money to visit family he hasn't hugged in years. An awesome uh, story about a uh, TikTok video of an 82-year-old veteran who uh, received a um, money that was raised online for him by social media after the story went viral. Um, and you know, every now and then you get a, a happy story like this. Um, and this gentleman, um, it was, um, uh, a father and a grandfather had a job at general motors, but retired so he could help take care of his ex-wife's husband. Uh, when the husband passed away, Marion took care of his ex-wife and then returned to work when she passed away. Marion said he will pay the bills, relax at home and use the money to travel to Florida for Florida for a three week trip to see his daughters and grandchildren, whom he hasn't hugged in years. Butch Marion says he will pay off. There you go. Um, bird out of a cage, Marion said. McCarty uh, acknowledged that he just never dreamed this would happen. I'm just so excited for him. So all of you out there that participated in helping to get this story exposed and getting the GoFundMe out there, uh, y'all warm my heart, man. That's what. That's what. Y'all warm my heart. 
Good news story of the day. The Federalist Ohio Republicans score a major win for election integrity with a new voter ID law. Nothing's happening. Like, there's nothing in the next elections is ever going to change, but except for a swing state passing voter ID law. Vatican conservatives plotting a secret plan to oust Pope Francis. Yeah, more news to my ears on this Monday, the 9th of January. Happy New Year, fam. The Federalist also highlighted in this article, Loudoun County dad arrested for trespassing at the local public school board that we highlighted here on this channel, found not guilty. Ah, yes, excellent. FCCED checking in with them today as we haven't checked in in a while. Two Toledo council members convicted in a bribery scheme officially resigning. Hmm. Vietnam arrest, former ambassador to Japan on bribery charges. Ex-Arizona Border Patrol agent sentenced for, for, for drugs and bribery. U.S. judge rejects Maduro's allies' claim of diplomatic, immun diplomatic immunity. How, uh, Honeywell, UOP, to pay over $160 million to resolve foreign bribery investigations in U.S. and Brazil. And the ex-Maldives leader gets 11 years from money laundering probe. Hmm, have you all looked into the corruption in the Maldives? Very interesting. Indeed. Very interesting indeed. The Department of Just Us is still out there. I don't think they figured out justice. They do a lot of speeches. Hey, 2,500 speeches. The, the, they, got, they got that. They got a bunch of press releases too. Sometimes in their press releases, there's some interesting stuff. Often, it's still the Department of Just Us. Gold Pills about to be launched. Thank you all for hanging out with me for the overtime. I appreciate it. Much love and God bless you all. Man sentenced for an integral role in a sophisticated international fraud scheme. Virginia man pleads guilty to conspiring to violate Iranian sanctions. Justice Department and Meta platforms reached key agreement that they implement groundbreaking resolution to address discriminatory delivery of housing advertisements. <laughs> Florida doctor sentenced for substance abuse treatment fraud scheme. Justice Department secures agreement with California community organization to resolve immigration-related discrimination claims. California agricultural companies and their owner agreed to pay $600,000 to settle a false claims act relating to improperly inflated paycheck protection program loans, PPP loans in California. On the 6th, former West Virginia parole officer pleads guilty to a federal civil rights offense for sexually assaulting a female parolee. Multinational corporation and several individuals charged with multi-million dollar organic grain fraud scheme. And laboratory owners, executives charged in a healthcare kickback scheme, busted. What is this? Is organic two Dubai entities and several individuals were charged in an, an indictment, unsealed in the District of Maryland recently for their roles in a multi-million dollar scheme to export non-organic grain in the United States to be sold as certified organic. Hakan Agro, DMCC, and Hakan Organics, both based in Dubai. Gorksal Beyaz, Nure Beyaz, and Mustafa Karagurulu, all of Turkey, were each charged with the conspiracy, smuggling, and wire fraud. In an initial appearance for Hakan Agro and Hakan Organics was held on January 15th in the District of Maryland. 
Interesting. So there's that one. And that's about wrapping it up here for you guys today. I appreciate you all for hanging out for the little bit of extended overtime today. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the show and the content as much as the links that I can get out there will be put out there as well as soon as possible today. And with that, I want to say thank you all over there at the foxhole.f for staying, staying, sticking with me for a little extra time. I appreciate all the gold pills today. 4,826 gold pills. Much love and God bless you all. Special thank you for the shout out and the 200 hours uh, massive donation over there on Rumble. Much love. God bless you, Rumble fam. Thank you all for lurking and listening. Do me a favor. Hit that thumbs up button and hit the alert button so every time I go live, you'll never miss a show. Twitch crowd, always out there lurking and listening. I appreciate you all. As always, thanks for hanging out as long as you guys have and the rest of the lurkers and listeners. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. Back tomorrow for another edition of Uncensored Abe. Come hang out. Much love. God bless you all. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.